Unity divides the industry. And Microsoft starts email gate. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. And alongside me, as is the case each and every week, most weeks, <laughs> is, I know, right? Chris, you know you've missed. I'm going to miss now. I'm just going to go missing. Can I do a sock puppet? Like, we could do a whole storyline where I've gone missing and it's just my background but a sock puppet hand. Hey, man, I, <laughs> my I, microphone's just, I just do an episode with all me. by myself again. I don't know, man. That felt like... That felt like someone was behind the camera trying to, like, you know, like, fucking show you a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Kudos to you for doing an episode by yourself because that is a tough, tough sale. So, but episode Chris Figs, everybody. 270.5. 270.5. If you ever just want to go back and witness it, it was a, it was an interesting time in the history of this show. But Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? Oh, just great, Brett. How are you? Well, actually, hold on. Give, give me just a second because... We have the earliest question we've ever been asked in show history. You ready? Oh, this God. is where I'm going to slot it in earlier than ever. Put it in. Our longtime friend of the show, longtime listener, longtime patron, Mr. No Fate, otherwise known as Sean One Neo, said, I only have one question for the both of you. And he hit me with that Joey from Friends gift. How you doing? <laughs> so, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> I'm going to choose to take this as him asking how we're doing, but... I, it's equally plausible that he's trying to fuck us. I don't, you, whatever way you want to take this, feel free. You know, either way, the answer is pretty okay. <laughs> all right, you hear that, Sean? If you can make it over to the states, he's 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 ready for you. Uh, I'll lay out all my PS3 games for you, right on the bed yeah. like roses. Now I got to tell you. The United States is a large country, mm-hmm. and I'm many miles away from Chris. So you would have quite the adventure trying to come here and get both of us. But you're more yeah. than welcome to try. <laughs> it's like you use your magic carpet or something. You know, fly across the country very on your own time. Mm, drive on the wrong side of the road the entire way down to me. <clears throat> what do you think the FAA would say about a flying carpet? Oh, that's a good question. You know, that was always what I felt like was missing from uh, the Harry Potter movies, the flying car, that no one was like, hey, this is airspace control. What the fuck are y'all doing? (laughs) Are you in a car? Listen, the muggles still exist. Planes still exist. No flight zone still exists. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) The muggles still exist. It's an (laughs) all-timer. You're welcome, Chris. Take that, stick it in your pocket for another, for a rainy day, okay? All right, it's in there now. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure bureaucracy would have fucking killed flying carpets by now, right? Yeah, absolutely. They don't take any gas. Like that's first off, they don't Ooh. take any gas. But here's the other sneaky problem: no windshields means no cigarettes in the flying carpet. So that does the tobacco industry take umbrage with flying carpets? Here's the question. Which billionaire ends up assassinating the flying carpet guy? Oh, that's an easy Musk. Oh, <laughs> it's like you run the risk of ruining all I've built. <laughs> that's a, yeah, exactly. Cause that's he, fair. It's, I feel like that's easy. Yeah, it's definitely Elon. Mr. Ellen. Fair Musk. enough. Fair enough. I mean, I don't know. Henry Ford finds out, gets a time machine, comes forward. In yeah, time. He'll come, come from the grave. 
to an How do we know that's not actually what happened? Originally, flying carpets were a thing, but in Henry Ford's original timeline where he was trying to get Ford off the ground, everybody was like, fuck you and your car, bro. We've got flying carpets. So he built... And that's the thing is it turns out that Back to the Future is actually somewhat based on a real story. So Henry Ford built the original time machine, you know, went 88 miles an hour, went back in time, killed the guy who found out the magic that had flying carpets. Here we are. When he came back this time, suddenly the car was a hot topic, you know? That was certainly a lot of words to tell a story. I respect it. <laughs> it was a lot of words to tell something, Chris. But in the spirit of the question, how you doing for real? Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Yeah. How about you, man? Um, if you've noticed that I keep forgetting to do um, a community's take, then that could probably tell you um, I'm I'm holding on. I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm not doing great. <laughs> the fingertips, like just around the uh, the window of the plane, kind of thing. You know, Mission Impossible, that stunt scene that everybody's like, "Look, Tom Cruise held onto the plane for real." That I feel like that. Like, that's okay. me. I'm on the plane, just fucking barely holding on, you know? I get that. I'm Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. I hope things improve for you. Oh, man, it's okay. All I got to do is quit my job and become a vagabond. Hey, man. We've all thought about it. <laughs> but it's okay, because if I quit my job, he, I, here's the thing. If I quit my job, none of this can happen anymore. So everyone would miss me. That's what I've. That's how I've delusionally fooled myself into staying working. Yeah, but what if you started just doing something that made you more money? Like, I've been considering writing children's books and then just having someone on Fiverr do the illustrations and just putting them up on Amazon. There you go. See? Now, my plan is that we recently went and watched a local production of Sweeney Todd that was incredible. Are you going to be an actor? Uh, Sure. I want to do, because it would be so funny to see in the South, I want to do Guar's Go to Hell or Lust in Space, which are concept albums as plays, as musical plays in my local area to see what happens when all these very conservative, very (laughs) religious people are like, what? <laughs> I told my wife that I wanted that I thought they should do that as I was starting my uh, weekly listen. I, I listen to it multiple times a week, actually. But for the sake of this story, my weekly listen of uh, Beyond Hell from Guar, and the the second song has a part where at the end it talks about how Hitler and Jesus have to merge in the ass. Oh. So and it creates a new being called Jitler. And I was like, I'm pretty Jitler. sure how to lose everyone right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty so. sure. Yeah. Why so, Jitler? I don't know, you know? Jesus or? He, what, would, what would be the opposite for Hitler and Jesus' uh, celebrity crush name, you know? Like Brangelina? <laughs> what do you. Wouldn't. If you, were to, if you were to ship Hitler and Jesus, right? What would be their celebrity couple name? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't like Hitless. Maybe. Jitler sounds Maybe. like a venereal disease. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I mean, it, I don't know if I'd say venereal disease, but it definitely sounds odd. So I don't know, man. I would definitely say venereal disease. So Hitless. So it'd be... Oh, Jester. Jester's pretty good. <laughs> it, it solves everything. I mean, Jitler rolls off the tongue, at least in the context of the song. Jesus, but with an H in the front. <laughs> Jesus 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've stuck on that too long. Guys, if you're new to the show, uh, I guess welcome. You're still here, which says enough about who you are. So wow. join us as we talk about... <laughs> hey, I mean they're good people, Chris. They're watching us. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that. Um <laughs> You can tell how much more my daily work life is becoming unhinged the more that I become even more unhinged. You know, it's just, you know, you fall apart along the entire scene, you know. <laughs> that felt like lyrics, but I can't pinpoint the song. They're not lyrics. Maybe they should be. Chris, are you telling me I should compose a song right yeah, now probably. about my current life situation? Yeah, as long as you finish it. Mm. Well, See, here's the thing, Chris. I can finish it, but that doesn't mean you agree with where I finished. I've had that problem, too. <laughs> I know you have, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, today there's a bunch going on, but a lot of it's kind of focused around similar ideas. So we're going to talk about the state of play that recently came out. We're going to talk about all what's going on in the industry with Unity and their dramatic mess and we're going to get into what has been coming out these past two days of a deluge of microsoft emails that just kind of bust the world open of crazy shit that we didn't know was happening in 2020 but you know that's what happened <laughs> go, go ahead chris what are your faces what i just didn't like the words that you just said i don't know how to oh, explain yeah. it which ones hit you which ones hit you the hardest I don't all of them. Microsoft, all of them. Yeah, Microsoft was the big trigger. I was like, <laughs> yeah, Starfield this in '83. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna love one of the one of the questions we received then. But guys, stick around with us. We are gonna start the show off uh, nine minutes in, ten minutes in by uh, check again on what each other have been playing. Uh, so, Chris, yeah, hi. I will defer to you, good sir. What's been playing? Um, it's a a lot of Marvel snaps still, but actually <laughs> very deep into that. Um, what rank are you? I just hit 83, so I'm doing pretty well. Um, yep. I haven't played the game, so I have no context for that number, but it sounds impressive. Yeah, well, once you hit 100, that's when you start seeing your like leaderboard rank, so see how that goes. Um, so not good enough. I got you. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, facts. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, new card came out today. Um, which I'm really, I'm, I'm iffy on. Uh, a lot of the big content creators from Marvel Snap don't like the card, but I've plugged it right into my Silver Surfer uh, archetype, and it's working pretty well. I don't know if iffy on sounds it. like an evolution. I'm sorry, I had to get that out of my head. What are you talking about? You said you said iffy on, and it sounds like an evolution. And I, I figured it out. It's when Evie evolves into Schrodinger's cat. It's just a box. And you've got to <laughs> open the box. And it's iffy on because you don't know when you open the box if it is or isn't going to exist. But before you open the box, it you know it's always in a pers- is it persistent state uh, of existing and non-existing. When you open the box, you don't know iffy on earth or iffy in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chris. That's it. That's why. Yeah, um, that's it. What kind of stone do you think you give it? Stone? Yeah, you know, like what what stone do you use to evolve it? Oh. Or do you just beat the shit out of it with a rock? And put it in the box? <laughs> <laughs> An Everstone? I mean, yeah. okay. That's where I'm going. With a quantum stone. stone. That's what 
What's the stones from Marvel? You've been playing Snap. Let's tie that in here. What's yeah, the one the, that deals with uh, the Infinity Stones? Yeah, which one would deal? Would that be like the the Time Stone? I guess, or what would that be? Um, reality, definitely a Reality Stone. Reality Stone. Uh, there you go. There you go. So, we'd give it the Reality Stone. <laughs> yeah, works out. I would the Reality Stone. A um, couple other things I've been playing. Uh, Baldur's Gate three, obviously. We had our issues last night, but I've still been playing a lot of it on my own. Um, I'm very close to Act Two. I I want to move into Act Two, but I have one more quest in Act One that I know about. But it is also too hard for me, so I don't know what I'm <laughs> going to do. <laughs> so, what do you mean too hard for you? Like you would need to grind more to level up? Yeah. How does this game even work? Can I was thinking about that when we were playing. Do random encounters really exist? Or can you eventually no. just... I didn't think so. So eventually you could technically kill everything and not have any more way to grind, right? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I did, as we've talked about this, like I genocided an entire group of people in the beginning of the game. And when you do that and you side with one side... The the one side moves to act two because they move on. But then, as I've said, I've killed everyone on the other side. So that mm-hmm. whole area is empty. Both areas where there were shopkeepers and, you know, potential enemies and all that kind of stuff is gone. So I am struggling with the fact that I don't have any merchants. I am now out of, um, what's it called? supplies to camp so as you've seen but in case no someone hasn't played it when you go when you want a long rest and get a full night's sleep which is you know fully restore your health get all your short rests back uh, fill your spell slots you need party supplies and i don't have any supplies anymore so i don't know what i'm gonna do um i may end up just skipping that quest and going straight into uh act two because this is getting getting difficult that's fair. I mean, I'm also you really on the hardest difficulty for the record. Oh yeah. So, so you back yourself into quite the corner. But Brett, we are also playing the hardest difficulty in our co-op session. So like you've been playing it on the same difficulty I have been. I did not <clears> know that. <laughs> oh yeah, we're playing on the hardest difficulty. That makes way more sense as to why we've been like one hit a few times. I've been like, God. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Then again, I one hit that dude the other day and smacked him down. I was like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Is, is this the power of Paladin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny because before we started the show, I made a new character who is a Paladin. He's a Paladin half-orc named Gregor. Um, yeah, mm. he works as an There's accountant. a car dealership down here, Gregor. Gregor's half-orc? Yeah. Gregor yeah. Otto, yeah. Does he look like a half-orc? Because that would be super funny. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever met the owner. You should definitely ask. <laughs> I should find out. Yeah, you'd be okay, and if they say race? I can't, I'm <laughs> <laughs> race war race. War. <laughs> um, oh man, yeah, Baldur's Gate Three is really good. Other than that, um, I finally broken out my Switch again, so I've been playing the game that I gypped for 2022 game of the year in vampire survivors. I've been playing a ton of that on switch. Um, that's an excellent game. And then I so, what, switch just cause it's easier to take around with you. And well, like, I don't have an Xbox anymore. I gave it to Sadie and, <clears throat> um, 
I have it on PC, but I'd rather play it with a controller. And is honestly, that game still not on PlayStation? No, it's not on PlayStation. Wow, I didn't know that. That's uh, for Brett, some reason I thought that, it, I knew it had been delayed, but I yeah. thought it had already come. I don't even know if it's coming to PlayStation. I don't think they've announced either way. I'm imagining it'll come eventually, probably with all the DLC. Um, but even still, I bought it on Switch with all the DLC for ten bucks. I think like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fantastic game. Um, Here's then, the problem. Yeah, it's a Unity game. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just Googled it because I thought, wow, Unity's probably not helping. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the easiest way to dissuade somebody from releasing a game? Say, hey, right before you could release on one of the biggest platforms out there, we're going to make it to where every time someone installs a game, you have to pay us a shitload of money. <laughs> I mean... If the game, if I never get the opportunity to platinum Vampire Survivors because of fucking John oh. Riccatello, I'll jump off a bridge. Dude, it sucks even worse that it wasn't on Unity until version 1.6. It was on an engine called Phaser up until 1.6. And I don't know when 1.6 came out, but all I can tell you is that that 1.6 clearly means it was after full release. Yeah. They decided to jump engine. That's unfortunate. My apologies to the Vampire Survivors team. Luca Galante, I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> either way um yeah vampire survivors is fucking dope and then i started two games just not played very much but uh super super mario galaxy okay i started and like i said i don't i don't enjoy platformers very much but i'm interested to try it galaxy yeah oh was it part of the three collection yeah, uh, I got the the limited edition that's still on store shelves two years after it was supposed to stop being yeah. sold. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you got me. For some reason, I didn't think it was that one, but it's it's sixty four sunshine and galaxy in it. Yep, um, gotcha. The hard part about that game, I don't know if I'll be able to continue because it had it takes some like Joy Con stuff. Ooh, and my Joy Cons are broken because I don't know if I've told this story. But I dropped my switch into a toilet. Oh. So the switch works. What a works. fun, sexy time for you, Chris. <laughs> it was awesome. The switch <laughs> works, but yeah, the Joy-Con stopped working. So I bought one of those like little like sleeves, and it has it, you can play it. It's just a it's basically a Steam Deck. Oh but yeah. I don't yeah. have those individual Joy Cons to do like the shake for spinny Mario and all that kind of crap. So. I don't know why in my mind I thought they would have patched that out, kind of like how they are at least made it to where you can turn that off, kind of like how in the uh, Skyward Sword. What is that? Yeah, Skyward Sword, you can play without motion controls. Yeah. I would have thought that that's what they'd have done, but uh, thought too highly, apparently. Well, I think that's we'll the get, thing. We'll talk yeah. about Nintendo soon. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get there. talk about Nintendo soon. Uh, I think, you know, it works for the most part the way it is. Um, it's just sure. not something I'm capable of doing, but I don't know why you'd want to play a Switch game. Like that, like even with Pokemon, like it was a cool novelty to be like, oh, I can, you know, swing the Joy-Con and throw the Pokeball. But then it's like, well, why do why do I want to do that? <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I've never been I, a motion control guy. I don't understand it. I am very iffy on what it is. It's gotta it's gotta be so natural that I don't have to stop anything I'm doing. That's why, like, some of my favorite examples of weird gimmicky controls like that, and that's arguably what they are. Um, but I really liked in Killzone where you come up like even 
it was a little less intuitive in my opinion, but it still was pretty quick. So it, it never bothered me for sure. Mm-hmm. But in Killzone 2, when you grab the things and then you just basically gr- you hit L1 and R1 and then turn the controller like you're yeah, turning the knob. I that. like that feels right and it doesn't yeah. feel like you're having to bullshit something. And so like in Killzone uh, Mercenary, you know, whenever you set the bomb, you've got to put your thumbs and drag the yep. two lock points over there. I'm like, I don't mind that. I actually no, kind not. of like that. It feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm setting a bomb. Or I'm turning this valve on or off, uh, but yeah, it's it's a real fine line between like okay, I I don't fucking care anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, and then it was a uh, Star Ocean Divine Hearts R or something like that. Not the not the oh, new so- one, but the old one. Um, the you talking about the demo for a second story R? No, it's the one before that. Like I bought the full version. It was eight bucks. Oh, you talking about Star Ocean Five? Maybe. It, it, no, it's six. Because five, yeah, it's the Divine Force. So five was Integrity and Faithlessness, or Faithfulness, yeah. one of those two. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chris is running away, just like my father. <laughs> he never came back from getting milk. <laughs> it would have been truly hilarious if I did have milk over there. For that joke. <laughs> Alright, we're checking. Good. What's it called? I don't know how to use it. Oh, you've Switch. been playing it on is that game on Switch? Yeah. Star Ocean First Departure R. Oh, you've been playing the remake of the the first remake. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I gotcha. It looks I really gotcha. pretty. Yeah. I mean the new one looks great. I actually didn't know they made the first one as a remake, so that's yeah. cool. Well here's the thing, I'm good gonna be to honest with you. I have it on Switch. And I don't know why, but like it's the same price I got it on Switch for on PSN, and that price was eight fifty. And I'm kind of like, I don't kind of want to play it on PS Five, but I don't think I'm going to play it in either spot. So it's almost like one of these things of like, <laughs> why, <laughs> why bother? But hard, the the new one coming out looks incredible because I think it's taking advantage of the two D HD that Octopath uses, yeah. and it looks so good. And as we've talked about, I am desperate to like jrpgs and i have never tried star ocean so ah man dude the old star ocean games like star ocean 2 is a fucking banger it's a great game uh that was my first star ocean um four is pretty good and they re they remastered it five i fell off of hard but you know you you kind of I, i think time starts to really mess with your perception of things i think there's a lot of games i'd like a lot more if i had endless time and i've i've struggled with time a lot lately yeah <laughs> so i get that um so I, I kind of get when people are like i don't have time for that it's like it's not even a value judgment on the game so much as it's like a, i don't have enough to run the risk of playing games that i have to wait for them to get good so like I have to, I think if Days Gone came out this year, there's a good chance I wouldn't beat it. And that's mm. crazy because I know I love that game. Well, it's like I've always said: if Persona Five Royal didn't happen when I had three months to only be at home and never leave my room, I don't know that I would have beat that game. And it's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, it's like we keep saying: gaming is so time and place. That it's it's hard to figure out why you do like some things and not other things, and sometimes the answer may be something as simple of it's where I was at in my life at the time. Yeah, you know exactly. Like maybe the reason I don't like any of the newer, and I think that there's other things about it, but maybe really the reason I don't like any of the newer 
Tales of <clears> games <throat> is because the one that I adored so much growing up and then the most recent, more modern one, Tales of Zillia, I didn't have a kid. I had plenty of time off. I could just sit there and throw eight hours a day into gaming if I chose to do so. I couldn't game for eight hours a day right now if I wanted to. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, you not going to happen. <laughs> no, I so. guess it's ADHD week for me. But I've also played um, about the first hour of Spider-Man Remastered. Um, oh, you you did start it? Okay. I did, yeah. Okay. That's a, that's, right. a good, that's a good game. And I'm playing on uh, performance ray tracing. That's a good looking game. I'm like kind of shocked game. that it looks so yeah. good and it's runs very at good 60. Looking. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, I'll get mine out of the way. I am right at the end of Avium, very clearly. Ooh. And I'm still having a great time with it. Thankfully, from what I can tell for it, unlike Forspoken, my other not so hotly reviewed game of the year that <laughs> I, I mean, we wrote that. Not it's not my game of the year, but you know the game that came out this year that it was not so highly reviewed. Um, thankfully, this game does not seem to fall apart near the end, like Forspoken. Like you could tell that Forspoken had to get rushed out of the door, and that really sucks. And I don't know if they ever went back and kind of fixed that. I don't. Short of doing what they did with like Final Fantasy 15, where they come back and completely patch like one of the chapters out to flesh it out the way it was supposed to be. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but I'd love to see it. Either way, um, AVM's great. I'm really excited to see the end of it through. I think it's a really solid game. Um, but as I've been talking about, as much as it sucks that they laid off part of their staffs because of you know not enough sales and all those things, that game came out at a rough time. And back to the time and place thing, it's the right time and place for me. It's probably not the right time and place for the average gaming league. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the first piece of news in a minute. Um, But my other remark on here is not a game title. I just put not enough because I've not played enough games. (laughs) (laughs) I've played maybe three hours of gaming of games in the last week since we last recorded. And that feels like a disservice to my own hobby. So <laughs> I get that. A lot of stuff happens though, right? Dryer stops working. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That sucks. All right. Got to do a bunch of yard work. Had to do some painting next door. Have stuff going on with the family. Have friends wanting to do things. So you just get to a point where you're like, huh. Mm-hmm. Like I've enjoyed much of what I've done. Going and seeing Sweeney Todd was excellent. I had a good time. But it's like you do have that internal struggle with yourself like, oh. I've gamed like at that time, like a, an hour and a half this week, <laughs> and <laughs> here I am. So, <clears throat> well, I don't know if you. It feel sucks this that you way. have to feel that way. Sometimes <clears throat> with me, it's one of these things where I do something else and I enjoy that thing, but there's still that nagging bit of like, I would still rather be playing a game. You know what I mean? That that wasn't there for that. There's a lot of going on. My wife has never seen Sweeney Todd. Didn't know yeah. any of it, but she knows I love it. She knows some of the songs because every now and then I'll listen to the soundtrack. And um, so she went into it, didn't know what the fuck was going on. So mm. I think I had a good time uh, <clears throat> witnessing it in a play format in person, which I've never done. I've seen videos of the play format. Uh, so that was really fun. Really being impressed by the level of talent of our local people. Oh yeah! Like there were a few standout, notable performances where I was like, "God, like that's he really sold it." Like that dude, and there was this girl that I mean, there was three actors in particular. I was like, I am kind of 
flabbergasted that this these are people that just live here and this is like a side gig for them. Um, <laughs> great for them. Um, but it was also just fun being able to kind of see my wife experience it all for the first time. So it was, it was a good time. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was more that conversation where it's like, because that was Friday night. So I was like, I know I got to get up tomorrow and, and finish up painting so that this room is complete. And I thought, ah, damn, painting is very slow and meticulous. And I'm such a meticulous person that I end up taking way longer on painting because I'm like, it's got to look right. It's got to look perfect. <laughs> and I've, it, There are certain things I shouldn't do. But yeah, that internal feeling of struggling with your hobbies is uh, an unfortunate one. Yeah. So it's like now I'm going out to like practice bowling. I try and go once a week besides the league that I'm in. And there was a mm. point yesterday where I'm like, dude, I just want to fucking go play Baldur's Gate 3. And I'm not hitting my shots and I'm getting frustrated. And I don't even have the new ball that I got yet. So I need to, to get in and that get drilled and really practice with that one because that's the one I want to use. But. I'm like fuck. That. I'm not even like really enjoying this. I'm like I'm practicing something, but I, I want to go see my tiefling mommies and my, you know, <laughs> devils that are just hot with gigantic giddies. Like that's what I want. And the corpses that are strewn about the town that I've murdered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the unlike Bethesda games, the corpses do not stay. <laughs> Some oh, of them do. Man, gotta give Bethesda credit. Even though I'm pretty sure that even Bethesda games, the corpses don't stay indefinitely. <clears throat> I don't know for sure. I know in, <laughs> I was reading in Starfield, I guess, one of the better ways if you run out of storage is that stuff does not disappear. So they were saying the best way is to just go in your ship, drop everything on the ground, and then leave because it does not go away. So <laughs> your oh, ship dude. is just a giant chest. That's existed forever. I don't know if you remember this, but you could <laughs> you could kill your horse in oblivion mm-hmm. and then load him full of shit that you wanted to carry around. And as long as you got shadow mirror, which is the dark brotherhood horse, he eventually yeah. revives on his own. So you can just load him full of shit. Cause once you kill him, you can go to like the loot screen, but you can put stuff into him yeah. as part of the loot screen. And then eventually he'll revive and you can just carry around whenever you're re- where you want to be to deal with it. You just kill him again and pull it off. <laughs> it's, it's wild. There's always a way in Bethesda games to do something. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the whole impetus for the, uh, what is it, companion system or whatever that Skyrim used. Mm-hmm. Like Fallout Lydia. does it too. So. I, th- I think it just came to like a, well, we don't want players murdering their horses to carry more around. So we'll just give them someone they can hire to walk around with them. <laughs> and then dog meat could carry a bunch of shit in four. So, I mean, like yeah. they've been carrying that forward for a while. So, but yeah. Uh, so no community stake this week unfortunately i we a we didn't pose one i wish we would have i really wanted to hear people's input so i guess we'll do it this week uh people's inputs and thoughts on the phone gaming and the impact and how you feel about it because i think it's fair um one of my buddies donovan reached out and was saying that i was sounding a little obtuse and that's fair i mean i definitely took the question the way i read it and like chris said it, it is semantics, and that's and I even said in the episode that's true, but that's it was the semantics of how I read the question, which is immediate impact, and I considered immediate like in a two year window. I don't see it being enough, um, but there's a lot of even then I even that train of thought could still be wrong because he gave examples of playing four to five hours of Pokemon Unite, which I don't think is the same thing. Just to throw that out there. I think there's a big difference between Resident Evil 4 Remake and Pokemon Unite. Go ahead, Chris. What's up? 
Are you muted? <laughs> I just, how is it? I don't understand how it's different. <laughs> oh, well, because the whole thing, and I think this goes to maybe it would have been better if we read the article that was linked as part of it. The reason that they're actually talking about Resident Evil 8 and Resident Evil 4 remake and what those phones can do is like they're talking about ray traced graphics. The chips have got hardware accelerated ray tracing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was harping so much on battery life because we're talking about the impact of games that don't have nearly as complex lighting and whatnot. Definitely not nearly as high resolution. They don't have to be. And then you go to this question of, okay, well, what's the resolution on these games on phone? So there's a lot of questions. But at the end of the day, it comes down to inherent value. Do you value being able to play five hours on your phone and you have a lot less of a focus than I do in my day-to-day life of how important your phone is to you without having to plug it back in for the rest of the day? And for people that have inherently different jobs, that may not matter. I'm on the move too much. So it feels like I can never be in a position where I have my phone hooked up for too long. So I worry about battery life. And it's unfair of me to project that onto everyone else, but I still think battery life matters. So... Let's I hear said, your thoughts. That'll be community's <laughs> take this week. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again, especially after listening back, that you sounded like parents freaking out about rock and roll. <laughs> like, I'm, Fair enough. With all due love and respect, I listened to that, and I'm like, holy fuck, he's calling Kiss devil music right now. It's insane. <laughs> Unfortunately, Chris, you were cutting out for reasons that do not make sense to me. I think I understood most of what you said. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad, but as to your point, I'm pretty sure most of the parents that were talking to their kids about that probably felt like, hey, it wasn't that bad. So yeah. maybe you're right. <laughs> exactly. You have to adopt hey, you decide. the new things. I don't understand what Riz means, <clears throat> but I have to say I'll it. I'll tell you this I'm much. Not I'm not inherently against phone gaming. Here's Okay, so <clears throat> here's what I've been thinking about this. And it has nothing to do with you. I just think it's going to be interesting. I get my iPhone 15 Pro Max on Friday. I am going to buy a AAA game on the phone and play it the whole way through just there and see how it feels. I'm very curious. Oh, yeah. I'm curious for a lot of things. I might do something like Death Stranding, even though, eh. Because like I want to play Mirage on a big screen, and if I'm gonna play more Resident Evil Four, I need to go get my platinum. You know what I mean? So it'll depend on the game, but I do want to see what it's like to prop my phone up and then just go. But I was watching a video. So, question on it. for that: You said prop your phone up. Would you be would you be using a controller or in that? I'm gonna try it both no? ways, but I think. Yeah, I think controller is the best way, and that's how I've seen it advertised. I like think I it's the watching. best way. But but I have a real question for that, and just your opinion. And right, this can be part of how you feel whenever you, you know if, when you guys are doing community take. Give your thoughts. But I think the bigger and more important question is how playable and how useful is it without having to carry an extra peripheral. Because if the whole point of putting game on your phone is this easy accessibility, the need to carry a controller around if you want that on the go <clears throat> is a little rough. If you're in your house, the controller is a little less of an issue, but then you kind of come back to that same question of why are you choosing to play it on here? But I don't know. Can you, um, th- this might be a question that people who want to use this understand. Is there a way to like dock modern phones to a TV that you Outside, like I know Samsung has one for like you. I'm can sure there is, but Samsung I've never. And it becomes a computer. 
I'm sure I've but never I wonder, had cause the like, Would that be something that Apple would put out? Like, hey, you dock your iPhone. It does all the processing and everything, but this charges it. And basically, you've bought a console and a phone all in one. That's a much better value proposition. You know what I mean? I don't and then see you can Bluetooth anything, but connect I know the what you can do on some phones. And like <clears throat> Apple TV, I'm assuming you do the same thing as you can AirPlay. So who knows how the quality of that is, but you can stream the phone to the TV and then play from the TV. You know, you could do it that way. I don't know how that would work, but uh, yeah, I'd, one, I'd wonder about, yeah, latency, if it would be similar to the problems that you face when you deal with cloud gaming, but who knows? Listen, That's, when I get mine, I'm going to give it a shot. Out through time. I'll let you know. Um, you continue doing the old man yelling at clouds thing. And we'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Well, we're going to go into the first piece of news. And the first piece of news is basically recapping the state of play that just happened. So I think the first and foremost question is, Chris, did you get a chance to watch the state of play or did you just recap everything? I did actually watch it all. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it right before we recorded because I hadn't at, up to this poem, point. Oh, really? And I was sitting there about 30 minutes before. I was like, I guess I need to watch the state of play. <laughs> the only thing I'd actually seen from it was um, the Final Fantasy VII, which was the finale part. Um, so let's kind of quickly step through it and kind of look. Uh, Baby Steps looks interesting, though I don't also know that I understand the game. <laughs> like I was trying to look at it and like, it's definitely weird. And PlayStation's trying to brag about how they choose, you know, interesting and, and upcoming partners. Uh, so that's it. at first I was like, is this a VR game? It feels like a VR game, but it's also <laughs> third person. So Well, it's by that guy. I who don't did, know. Did you ever see that game uh, Get Up or whatever? With the, like the guy in the bucket and he has the pickaxe and he's climbing. Oh, yeah. It's getting the same over guy. That's actually getting what I thought it, this yeah. was. That checks out. I never played that. Way more. Um, Yeah, I never played it either, but I do know what it is. But yeah, from what I understand, it's the same guy. So, you know, interesting. Well, that makes way more sense because I thought this looks like someone trying to create a 3D version of getting over it. Yeah. But I didn't know who made getting over it. So (laughs) that checks out. Um, more excitingly for me, I actually thought Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord looks like an excellent VR project. Like, it, as soon as it started showing the gameplay and everything, I was like, okay, yes, I get this entirely. Like, this feels so apt for VR. I, I, you have VR now, Chris. What was your level of excitement seeing this? Or, I mean, I am a Ghostbusters fan, so that plays into it to a small Yeah, point. I'm not a Ghostbusters fan, so I just genuinely just did not care. Just didn't do anything That's for me. That's wild. It's like all the tools from Phasmophobia, but in a much more playful environment. Because <laughs> like they were using the little dot, you know, where you can, and then being able to go and trap them. Uh, speaking of which, Phasmo coming to VR soon. Anyway, I thought that looked good. But here's where we can come into the first important thing for you, Chris. Okay. Resident Evil 4 VR mode. The way you will play Resident Evil 4 next, correct? Yes, 100%. That is how I will go after the Platinum. So I will VR Well, first and foremost, looks great. And from what I can tell, it is the whole game playable in VR, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it looks like. That's what I can see. Yeah. I was a little worried when they originally said it would have a VR mode that that... Maybe they didn't know the answer at the time. I've been curious 
Because do you remember they announced it kind of similar to the same time that they announced 8's VR and they were like fully playable in VR and then they yeah. show 4 remake and they're like, it'll have a VR mode. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but I think sure. it looks good. Um, finally hearing Ada's voice actress in separate ways. Um, I can lament that they've kind of messed up Ada in terms of the way I envisioned her. And it's funny because that's not the voice actress from two remake. No, I don't believe so. So very interesting to see them shifting it up uh, and changing it. It was a little weird because you have this character that looks designed to be witty and sexy and snappy. And then you have this, I don't want to say dry, but a kind of stern voice. I don't know. It, it, It didn't land for me. Yeah, it didn't land for me, but that was in the context of a trailer. Maybe I'll feel differently in game, but I know that was a point of contention. So finally hearing the voice, I thought, that's a little unfortunate, but <laughs> could be worse. Now, here's a, here's a big turnaround moment for me. I'm not a big fan of Avatar. I've always felt like the movie was incredibly overrated, and its primary thing is just what it does for the tech that the industry can <clears throat> use for other movies to do better things with it moving forward. But I'm going to say, Frontiers of Pandora looks sick. The entire time I was watching, I was like, why does this look legit good? It does look really good. And I think I've landed on why. <clears throat> it looks like if they were basically like, Far Cry's been sinking, guys. So what if we just took the Far Cry 2, 3, and 4 idea of how Far Cry worked and we just shoved you onto this alien planet? I, and I think that's why it's landing. <laughs> I agree. It's not the same developer, but I want to play it. I think it looks awesome. It does look like Far Cry with gross blue aliens. But for me, the biggest problem with this game is the gross blue aliens. I don't like looking at them. I don't mind them, but here's the other thing. I think they land much better in video game graphics than they do in live action or you know what i mean trying to look live action with your cg because i think they're inherently a bit too cartoony and so when you're trying to show me it on a movie where you're putting them against other realistic like people it's like ah yep you've you've compared them now I i have the slightly uncanny valley in a game they look far more fitting like yeah okay this this style works better in a format that's supposed to play off more cartoony and colorful and vibrant, you know? Yeah. I don't know. For me, putting them in a video game made them uglier. (laughs) Like I thought they were ugly in live action and then you see them in game and it looks like, they look like characters from like the Abe's Odyssey world. And (laughs) like, it just doesn't look good. And even when she was like grabbing guns and you could see the like gross blue tendrils of her fingers, like this is disgusting. But game looks fun. I'll probably play it. I debated. I was watching the trailer and I'm like, should I, should I, should I pick this in the draft? Should I, should I take Frontiers of Pandora? But I don't think I need to. We yet, land on so. the same problem though. Because <clears throat> one of the games shown coming up, actually the next few games shown coming up, when the fuck am I going to have time to play any of this? <laughs> December for Avatar, which looks surprisingly good. Ghost Runner, October. 
Yeah, Ghost not Runner. like there's a bunch of other shit coming out in October. Sorry, Ghost Runner. <laughs> Bad and choice. then Helldivers two, also Octo- uh, October, if I'm not mistaken. And I've, Helldivers two Helldivers looks okay. It doesn't look like my type. Is it November? It's February. So, <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, then good. If if Helldivers is off, I I must have mixed it up. I thought it showed this year too. I thought, damn no. it, man. Helldivers, Chris, is... you get to feel vindicated for a second. Yeah. Do I? Yeah, Helldivers. I think clearly proves your theory that Sony is willing to do games that fit more of a games as a service idea on PC and console day and date, even when it comes out of their own first party. Yeah. Technically, it's not first party, but it, it's coming out of. Um, PlayStation Studios, nonetheless. So yeah, it is a first-party game by a second-party studio, as I was corrected on Twitter about it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm it's basically what games like The Order fun. and whatnot are. So yeah, it does look good. I don't necessarily know <clears throat> if it's my type of like. I'm not excited to immediately jump into it, but I could see myself enjoying it if I had the time to spend on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the I best I can describe. It. I'm going to probably to pick it up because I know me and one of my friends we were talking about like he's kind of falling off Destiny with some of the changes they're making, and we I haven't played Apex in months. Neither of us have, so it's one of those things where it's like we kind of want a new game to play, and it's either Hell Divers or Marathon, you know, until I find out more about Fair Games and Concord and if there if I have any. Well, interest you got in them, a while. So. You have a while till Marathon, even you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm hoping that's the next year game, but I doubt it. We'll see. We will see. Ghost Runner Two looks excellent. I thought that was very good, and uh, Spider Man Two looks great. I do feel like I understand why they're doing it, and I think it's right. But I do have that feeling where, like, you remember whenever they kept showing Death Loop, and people were like, "Okay, we've seen enough Death Loop." Yeah. I am, and I was like, "Well, they're going to have to show it." That's kind of where I'm at with Spider Man. I'm like. Okay, I've seen another Spider-Man. But I understand they need to show it. But it looks great. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I mean, know. I don't have too much to say outside of that. Uh, quickly move through the rest. We got Beyond the Dawn. We've got Star Rail. We've got Foam Stars. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So, quickly, I continue to be... I feel like Foam Stars is maybe the same thing of I don't understand it. So, my brain is just like... Who's excited for that? But maybe there really is a market that's excited for this game. Well, here's the thing. What say you, Chris? Everything about that game. Am I shaking my cane at the front yard? (laughs) No, this is less of that. But I do think everything coming out of, I think it was Gamescom, about Foam Stars was like, holy shit, this is actually good. So I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I hope it's not. like It's one of those things where... I feel like this game needs to be free to play because I'm not paying for this, but it looks fun enough. Like if it was free to play, I would be like ready to download on day one, but I, I don't paying for it. That's why it'll, I, I think it's one of those games where free to play, it'll have an audience. If it's paid, that game is dead on the vine. So. All right. What about a middle ground? What about day and day PS plus? Yeah, I mean, that's free for me. So, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, for the general audience at that point, right? Like, well, it, it, you think you can find success in a free-to-play audience. Do you think the middle <clears throat> ground of free-to-play by way of a subscription that you probably already have interest in? Yeah, but at that point, it you depends know, like, on if we're talking about essential or extra or premium or classic. I mean, or extra or premium kind of tiers. Stuff. Like, it, bare minimum extra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's extra, then I think that would help, too. But I still think... Free to play microtransactions, like that kind of stuff, and then the game is also fun. That that'll do it a lot of wonders for it. But I don't think a seventy dollars foam stars does anything. Interesting. I'm getting very big, and I can understand because I was moderately excited for that game, and then it got me. So less of the excitement for me personally. I was getting vibes for how I feel like the media and the. Um, what would you call that? I guess the beta stuff was around Destruction All-Stars. This feels exactly like Destruction All-Stars where it'll have like a two weeks in the in the limelight and then it'll go silent. But to your point, Destruction All-Stars was a $70 game that they then tried course correcting down to 20 while it was also a day and date PS Plus. So there's a lot of potential in there. I don't know though. I don't know enough about it. So we'll have to see. But Chris, your 2023 pick that has now 100% been confirmed to be a 2024 pick in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. They can always push the release. incredible. <laughs> they always could. It looks incredible. Yeah, it looks like oh, a game. Like, great pick, wrong year. You know, that that's how I'm feeling for you. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty beautiful. Um, I have no opinion on Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's fair. I always thought it was bold you chose it. I know that you chose it strictly off of how the Final Fantasy games have been trending, yeah. which is smart. Because I know that you don't have any personal stake in thinking that, that game. Like, you know, it's like you don't think it'll be good or bad. It's just like, like you said, you're not the JRPG guy. <laughs> Sadly, no. Sadly, no, I am not. You got beat by a house and you decided that you were done. Final Fantasy VII could have it. <laughs> so Chris I have a question for you ask me I saw a lot of people it, not not like super vocally but after what some people consider to be a lackluster showcase I heard <clears throat> some people also kind of complain about this state of play but I'm going to say I actually thought the state of play was excellent. Even for games I wasn't as interested in, I thought the pacing was pretty well done. I thought it showed a good enough variety of games, and I thought most of what they showed looked pretty good, and it's close enough on the horizon that you're like, okay, cool. It's a good balance and a good mix. The only real complaint I had is I kind of missed the faceless character that just voices over everything. I thought actually bringing a real person in, (laughs) I was like, this feels weird and I don't like it. That was um, about it. That. The rest of it, I thought, this is a lot closer to what I want. I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> How can you complain about this? Like, That's kind of my they, thing. But... They set expectations, and then they still showed Spider-Man and Helldivers. Like, and every every game there looked fun, at, le- at least fun. So, I don't know if you're mad about this. Like, I'm sorry GTA 6 wasn't there. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Gonna have to wait. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see how that's gonna end up working out. Um, 
Yeah, I thought this was good, though. So cool to see it. I'd uh, love to hear what you guys thought about it. If, were you more in the, the, I'm feeling this, I'm vibing this, or did you feel like it's not enough? I think a lot of people just wanted something real heavy hitting after the showcase. But, you know, we kept dealing with that stupid deluge of rumors of, oh, well, there's going to be a second 23 showcase. I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. And who knows? Though, there's, <laughs> still, there's still more. Like, we don't know, but this was a state of play that was supposed to be just about third parties and updates to games we know about. So yeah, it just exactly doesn't seem like want. the right venue to shoulder those expectations. No, it's a state of play. The showcase was disappointing because it was called a showcase. You know, this is a state of play. This and is it for just updates, felt like shit. a long state of play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think state of play I'm kind of in the, your mind where you said like they set expectations and then they actually exceeded them because they did not say that there'd be any first party stuff and then they still chose to show first party stuff. So if anything, they set expectations, met those, and then if you were wanting more, you got more. How can you really be that upset about it? I mean, there's always a way. I'm pretty sure you're muted, Chris, but you can you can be upset wherever and whenever you see so i didn't do that i don't understand what's happening sorry um i don't know you also sound like a robot about half the time that you're talking so uh it's been a fun it's been a fun podcast of trying to watch your lips move and get the information of audio that i am getting and be like can i make sense of what chris said <laughs> go <laughs> well, hopefully it's, it's hopefully it sounds okay because you sound fine for me so yeah, I'm looking at your wavelengths and being like, well, those look normal. So maybe it's just what I'm hearing and his computer's recording it right. But that's okay, Chris, because we got another piece of news to talk about. And that is all the wild, fun, sexy times that Unity is having right now in the industry. Um, so earlier in the week, Unity announced a per-install fee that would be applied to games using the engine. Uproar from the development community ensued with teams from Megacrit to Cult of the Lamb announcing they would either migrate their newly in-development games to a new engine or, in Cult's case, pull their games entirely. In recent days, Unity has slowly backtracked away from its original intent sort of. So we will have to see how long it takes for a solution to come about. This has been really weird to watch because you kind of have that two or three days of no response and then suddenly like, we at Unity have heard you and we're working to come up with a solution that will meet everyone's needs. And I understand it because it's really just, we still need more time, but we can't not have anything out of the PR hits too strong. But we run the risk of also pissing people off with the PR stunt. (laughs) <laughs> of trying to be like, we hear you, but also go fuck yourself. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of weird. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and be, I'm gonna try and look at this from what is a very unfortunate but realistic viewpoint here. A lot of people are immediately getting mad at Unity. I wish I had a better understanding. I know that Unity was open, uh, relative. It was a lot like what um, Unreal does, where it kind of works with smaller developers. Doesn't make them pay unless they make unless they hit a certain mark and then they pay a certain percent. But I also understand that, that Unity is a business, and they do have a prerogative to make money. So I think that the option they came up with 
definitely seems like overreach and is not going to get garner them any people that are going to enjoy this. And instead it's going to get them to have people slowly use them less and less. So even if they make more money per game, they're going to make less money in general because less people will be inclined to use them. Okay. But then I go back to the flip side of like, where is the actual reasonable middle ground where unity can say like, listen, we feel like we need to bring a little more money in. So we have to do something different while also trying to be an open and reliable place for people who are breaking into the industry to come without breaking the bank or is actively shying them away from it. And there has to be a balance that is reasonable there. But we also, I feel like as a community, both developers and consumers have to be a little willing to be like, well, we understand that you are a business first and foremost. So while all of this sucks... I'm very curious to see what they actually end on, if it's reasonable, and if I consider it to be reasonable, reasonable, how does everyone else react in in tow? I don't know. Um, yeah, for me, this is hard because I honestly don't have a ton to say because I have no knowledge, right? I don't know how the inner workings of this work, and I don't even understand what they were charging for because it it was saying per install, but they were also saying like 90% of our developers won't see this charge. But then it was like people like Megacrit and Cold of the Lamb being like, oh, we're running. Um, and, you know, I think the instinct is to be like, man, this sucks for devs. But I think it's a problem that we have in general where people see money being charged for things and they don't like it. You know, people don't want to pay for anything. You know, that's just yeah. the reality. Like $70 is too much for games when realistically, if we're looking at inflation and we're looking at just game prices in general throughout history, $80 is probably what games should cost. And <laughs> so there's lots of stuff like that where it's like a lot of this, even like what you said about the uh, PS Plus, you're like, this doesn't actually really affect anything. And all it really does is make the discount significantly less than it was before, which it was a kind of an outrageous discount buying a yearly subscription anyway, versus monthly, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And I think people immediately see more money. This is bad, you know? And it's like, you know, stuff like, you know, NBA 2k. And this is a bad example because I do think 2k is egregious, but even people are like, Oh, their online mode that is meant for microtransactions costs too much money. It's like, okay, yeah. You know, it'd be like me coming on the show and being like, Marvel Snap is pay to win. It's like, yeah, no shit, it's pay to win. But you don't have to pay to win kind of stuff. You know, it's a lot of like, I want the best result, but I don't want to pay. And I wonder if that's creeping into this where people are freaking out at the immediate charge for install and we didn't get a whole rollout of this is you know this is what you're going to get charged on and it's really every past every every five million installs we charge you one cent per install you know it could be something where it's like it's totally innocuous but they didn't market it properly and nobody is giving them a chance to actually try and sell the idea and explain how it's better for unity and then there's there is also just the plain argument that it's a greedy move on unity's part um, and I think there is some egregious stuff, like from what I understood, people who it was retroactive. So any game on Unity, even if it came out 10 years ago, if it's downloaded and installed, you owe a fee. And that's nuts because if Slay the Spire came out on Unity 
six, five years ago or whatever it was, why would Slay the Spire now be subject to new rules? You know what I mean? That's kind of nuts. But I think if this was a from now on, we're doing it this way and we're willing to talk with developers and we're willing to make special deals that, or, or hey, after five million, after you recoup five million dollars, we get 10 percent. You know, in, any of these things I think would have been interesting. And the for me, the better option is the percentage fee kind of, hey, you make five million, 10 million bucks off your game. After that, we take a percentage. Um and that's how we're going to recoup some money. But I think it's a matter of this is a bad decision. It was kind of crazy. It wasn't it wasn't messaged properly, but it was also the fact of everyone immediately reacted instead of giving Unity a chance to be like this is how it's going to help us. This is how it'll help you in the end and this is the reality for 99% of devs. This is not going to be an issue for you. Um these are things we didn't get to see because it was an immediate holy fuck fuck Unity kind of thing. So I'm of multiple. Yeah, I'll say they they went a little more in depth in it, right? Like it was supposed to be, and then they they kind of they didn't backtrack so much as they said they clarified. So it was supposed to be that, um, from what I recall, and it could be slightly off, but once you hit a certain threshold, and the threshold is depending on who you are, it's fairly you know giving. But once you hit that threshold, every single time that a that someone installs a game, you pay a charge. But then they said, well, okay, per device. So if you install a game on your PlayStation 5, but then have to uninstall it to make room for something else, and then you eventually reinstall it, it's like this, it knows that it's been on that system before and you only get charged for that initial install. But then if you go and you buy a second PS5 and you log into the same account and you install it on there, it charges you for that second PS5. And they talked about like on Steam, right? If you have a computer and you download Cult of the Lamb for say on computer and then uninstall, reinstall, uninstall, reinstall it, you still only pay that initial one. But if you go buy if you go and buy a Steam Deck where your game carries over and you install it, then they make money off of you installing it there that one time. So there's definitely some things where I feel like some of the response has been um, overblown. And like you said, I do think to some degree there's this um, – a lot of industries are in this fuck capitalism state of things where yeah. it's like it's inherently bad because it's capitalist. <clears throat> and yeah, there's problems with capitalism. There's problems with systems in general. It's kind of – no no system's perfect. It's why things work the way it works. Uh, but I also think it's everyone can reasonably say – developing something in this case an engine that people can use to make their own products is not something that should just be free forever and for everyone would you like for someone to go to you and be like hey this thing that you spent tons of time and energy and effort on we want you to just keep it free forever and i'm not saying that's what everyone wants but there has to be a balance between there we talked about how like um gaming as an art form and gaming as a business kind of has this eternal dance where you they have to like there's a line that they're both dancing on and you know a toe can step over here and there in favor of the business or in favor of the art but it can never really cross the line completely lest it or even cross the line too much or it falls apart and you get problems and i think we're in this moment right now where we have to look at this and say yes 
Gaming is an art form that's incredibly important. We want people to have the ability and platforms in order to tell these stories and do these great things. And we want them to not be penalized heavily for doing so. We want them to be able to make a living. But we also want the people who made the tools that make that possible to make a living. And there has to be a tug of war going on at all times between that. And eventually someone's going to see the little ground one way or the other. The hope is that it never ends. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but if it ever spills too far in one direction, you're eventually going to get into a problem, right? If mm-hmm. it spills too far in, in favor of art, there's going to be less reason for people to create new tools and you're going to start seeing things stagnate because there's no new tools to facilitate new games and new ideas easier or better or to a newer group of people or a broader group of people. But if you swing too far into the corporate side of it, you're going to crush the spirit of the people who have ideas and who otherwise might have been open to trying them and building them out. And so the tug of war has to kind of, it's an eternal struggle. It's what it is. Yeah. Um, the, the gaming, I mean, honestly, this, this doesn't even, isn't even necessarily about games I'm about to say, but I think you see it in this industry, especially where it's nobody's allowed to work more than 40 hours a week, but you're not allowed to use AI to make your games, but games are taking too long, but they're too buggy, but the graphics don't look good. It's not 60 FPS 4K with the potential to run at 122 hertz with, with ray tracing on and DLSS and it needs to run on PC and it needs to run on the Xbox Series S and it needs to run on the PlayStation Portal and it needs to run on Steam Deck and it needs to run on mobile phone now. And also the Switch has a version of it that's downgraded, but we need to make sure it's not downgraded enough that it looks like MK1 so that people don't make fun of it. And if we are going to put out a game for Switch that looks like MK1, okay, now we can't charge $50. But the Switch version took just as long, if not slightly longer, than the PS4 and Xbox and Xbox versions because they had to go into the Switch version and then completely tweak the game all the way down to the bare minimum so that it runs on the stinky Switch. And But also AI is bad and we're not allowed to work 40-hour work weeks and Unity can't charge for the engine. So the gaming industry is in a place where it's like, it doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Like you can't, you can't do creative stuff for only 40 hours, 40 hours. You can, you can do creative stuff, but it's never going to be as good as if you dedicate all your time to it. Right. If I spend just 40 hours a week working on something at my job, it's never going to be perfect. Right. And it's, and, and I work in an industry where it's even less important, right? Games are hard to make. They're expensive to make. And they take dedicated people who want to make those things. You know, I know for a fact Neil Druckmann has probably never worked a 40-hour work week in his life. You know, and that's that's why you get games like that from Naughty Dog. But then it's like, okay, well, you can't do that anymore because some angry wives wrote a letter to Rockstar in the fucking 90s or whatever it was. And that's the thing. There's limit. There's limits to it. If you never leave work and you're sleeping under your desk, like if, if that's forced on you by your bosses, that's inappropriate, right? But when someone like Dan Hauser goes, yeah, we've been working like 200-hour weeks on this thing because we want it to be awesome and we're choosing to do this. Nobody's forced to work 100 hours. But me and the writing team come in and we work our asses off to make GTA 5 great. And then some fucking Kotaku writer is like, oh, GTA 5 is canceled because the writers work too long. It's like, guys, like, what do you want from this industry? You can't have all of these things at once. It's like with food. You can have it good, you can have it fast, and you can have it uh, and you can have a clean restaurant. You cannot have all three of them. 
It's yeah, what's, what's the, the general rule that goes to all industries is good, fast, cheap. That's it. Right? Yes. Not clean. I don't know where I got clean. But yeah, good, fast, yeah. cheap. You cannot have all three. It's the same with video games, and people right now, I think, want all three. So I do find what Unity is doing egregious, but I do think there's a level of people need to come to a reality of if we want the industry to keep advancing, you're either going to have to accept one of two things. You're going to have to either accept AI to take over some of the small stuff that people are doing at game studios, which, by the way, will cost jobs one way or another. Or you have to say no AI, but next time a Rockstar guy is like, we're really excited about this game and we worked 80 hours this week, you don't get to get mad. You, there's, there's only two options. You can either be okay with people crunching and grinding, or you can be okay with AI because they're going to have to fill in the gaps. Or every game is going to take as long as from GTA 5 to GTA 6. And then because those dev times are so long, because people are only working 40 hours a week, and they're only working when you know there's no AI help to fill in the gaps, then there you go. Now fucking resident evil 9 has taken 15 years you know what i mean bomb rush cyberpunk 2 is a seven-year project so it's a it's an interesting place for the industry to be it is an interesting place and you know you run the risk of sounding overly defending towards one side or the other and i really don't want it to be that uh for me you know i won't speak for you chris um i'll let i'll let you say however you want to word that but I do think that there's a, I do think Unity needs to reevaluate what they're doing, but I think also us consumers who I know are trying to go to bat for these creators that we love, that's what's happening. These people are feeling like, well, I love Cult of the Lamb and I feel like these people are being wrong. I got to go to bat for these people. And I know that's not a bad thing inherently. All I ask is that we all be willing to compromise because that's ultimately what this industry is. It's an industry of compromise between the business and the art. Um, and, and as long as that stays alive and well, we're okay. I mean, we will always have disagreements and it will always have to happen, but we do have to be sure. And I know a lot of this goes to what we always talk about. We're talking about the loudest of the loud on the internet that do not represent the 90% of the industry or of the actual consumer base. That's fair. But even us loud people, right? The people who are tapped in real hardcore and we have strong opinions. We still have to be willing to go, okay, Unity, we've expressed to you that we think this is too far. What can you come back with that you feel like is good for you and good for the developer? You know, it's better for you and worse for the developer, but by how much? Because, I mean, clearly the reason Unity feels the way they do is they feel like they've given too much leverage to the developers, not enough leverage to themselves. Whether we agree with that ultimately doesn't matter. It's not our, it's not our engine. And then you, you have the general thing of Unity can do what they want. And then you have things like where Terraria's um, you know, publisher, developer, whatever, Relogic, um, gave $100,000 to two different engines and has pledged to give them $1,000 a week or a month or whatever uh, moving forward to help do them because they want other open source, easy to work with engines to be up and about. And that's the answer, right? That's the answer to capitalism. Go and support the thing that is doing what you want to see. But that's that's it. I mean, you know, that that's yeah. fine. Go do that. Go <clears throat> Innovation voices, is but- always the best response. Yeah, it, it's just learn where to temper your expectations because, I mean, yelling at Unity for, you know, for the next month isn't really going to change much for Unity, if we're being honest. It could. And if it does, but or you know what I mean? Yelling at them is not. Yelling at them is not. 
But no. going and getting your favorite developers to switch to an engine that better suits them and better suits their monetary needs and that you feel like then when you buy their game, you're supporting someone who's not Unity, bam, that's where the change gets made. That's really yeah. what I mean. And, uh, and, your and, actions will actually speak louder than your internet words. Uh, yeah, exactly. I will say I don't want to come off as defending companies, but I do think that there's there's a split in the industry of what we want it to be. If people are willing to wait longer for games to make it so that people don't have to work long hours, that's great. But and I do fine. think there's there's yeah. a level of choice, right? Like. Imagine I become an author and I'm in here and then I go to an interview and I was like, yeah, the last year of working on this book, I was doing like 100 hours a week because I was trying to get my ideas out and I really wanted my book to come out really well. So I spent all my time on this just at the finish line. And then some fucking asshole on Twitter goes, oh, he didn't take a break. That's a the publisher needs to be sued. It's like, dog, I chose to work on the book and I think we have to have space for we want to do this. I'm super yeah. happy for we every have to company. leave freedom for I, I'm a big proponent of that, too. I think you have to leave freedom for the people that want to make that choice. When people are like, well, game developers shouldn't be forced to work overtime. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. They shouldn't be forced to. If they choose to. That's fine. And then people go, well, what about when other people choose to? And then that makes them feel like if they don't, then they're not being valued as much. Well, then they're making that decision to once more work overtime. Even if they well, feel like it's being pressured, they made that decision. <laughs> well, you know? the, the, like, harsh, the harsh reality, right? And it, it sucks to say, but it is the reality of any industry. If you're willing to work more and you're willing to be more dedicated to the job and you give the time and you give the hours, A, yes, you are more valuable, but B, when there's a layoff, when there's a promotion available, the person who busted their ass is going to get it. That's just how work works, right? This is whether you work at Naughty Dog or you work at Walmart. You know, if you're um, the guy you always know, picking up I get shifts, what you mean. Yeah, I think ideally, no, I, I think we could all say in practice that's not literally always the case, but in theory, that's how it should work. Nothing ever works 100% of the time in practice and in theory the same way, but you're, yeah. Because yeah, just to throw it out there, the, the flip side of that is also the person who is more willing, never really gets moved up in pay, never really gets pay raised, but continuously gets more and more work dumped on them until they just get stressed out and it becomes an issue. It does happen. No, of course. Yeah, arguably, I consider myself to be in that position right now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not saying you know, that, but, that doesn't happen. But again, I think you... No matter how you feel about mm -hmm. your job, you are more likely to get promoted than Ricky, who comes in 15 minutes late to every shift, leaves a, exactly on time every shift, and spends 20 minutes every hour playing Marvel Snap on his phone in the toilet. Like That's the, the reality of it. Ricky might still get his job done, and he might still do it well enough. But you're the one who would be looked at. It, again, and this is in a perfect world. There's tons. There's tons of yeah, factors. Sure. Your manager may just not. Creativity is like a really weird so you thing don't too. Because you know you're talking about a normal job, 
But there also is, you know, not everyone views their job in a creative sense, and that's okay. Not every job has to be something creative no. and fulfilling in that direction. But creative stuff, I'll tell you as somebody who does creative stuff, and I'm sure you feel the way, like you said, when you're writing something, sometimes you'll find yourself staying up two hours past your intended bedtime because you're like, I'm just, uh, dude, like I'm, I'm right at the tail end of this song, and I'm really loving how it's coming together. I just couldn't step away from it right now. It was, it was coming to me. I was feeling the inspiration, and I needed to take the opportunity while I had it. Um, and there is an infectiousness to that. So I don't want to harp on this too long, but the, all I'll do to reiterate my point all the way back around is it, it's an industry of compromise. There will be compromise. And uh, feel free to yell at Unity or anyone in this business as much as you want. But also be mindful of what you're asking and how reasonable it is versus what you're asking. Because like Chris said, you can't want games to come quicker and be cheaper, but then also want n- people to not work more than 40 hours. And all these... like there's everything is eventually a compromise somewhere uh, Mm -hmm. between the developers and the people who are funding the game between the developers and the systems that they're putting the game out on between the systems and the consumers between the systems and the retailers there's compromise everywhere that's what it is that's how it works um just like i said it'd be very interesting to see if unity survives past this and it would be really interesting to see like what if in five years in a, in a hope or in a bid to try and make more money it would be interesting to see unity not really exist anymore i don't think that's but gonna happen, who knows but well and one knows? thing i thought was funny is a lot of people were like uh unreal engine does this and this and i'm like yeah unreal engine does do that and that's great but for people who don't view unreal as a as a workable solution for them I don't think that you should make every other company model after them because one thing you're forgetting is that Unreal is the people behind Fortnite. They got that. Epic Fortnite owns Unreal. Money. They have Fortnite money. They can the kind of be a little money. more flippant. <laughs> well, they can do they can do what Microsoft is doing. Yeah. To get more people to want to use their things, they can be like, yeah, we're going to be even more giving with this thing. And so that more people will hopefully come in and we'll make more money that way because we have the capital to make that sacrifice up front. Maybe Unity doesn't. I don't know enough about their business. I think I'm done with this piece of news, Chris. How are you feeling? I feel great. You feel great. All right. Well, then maybe you'll continue to feel great as we move into what has been one of the most interesting things to read upon And I haven't even read them all because it's very hard to do so. So we're going to pick a few interesting ones out and we're going to go through questions that are involved with them. So Game Pass Tracker on X uh, is a Twitter user and they have a big tweet thread that has all these emails and all these different things. So we're going to use them as a way to have everything in one tidy place. And we have, so starting with the highlights, we have full timelines of Xbox's plan from now until 2030 which I hadn't really seen that. I noticed that most of what's been being talked about seems to be uh, Zenimax product, but I would love to be wrong in that and that there actually is. But if so, then why have we not heard about Halo or Gears of War or it was anything micro- besides it was, Zenimax product? It was Xbox plans, Bethesda games. There we go. Um, Robot Chris is helping us out over there. Xbox trying to buy Nintendo, possibly Warner Brothers, Valve, and more. A lot of this we already knew. We already knew about Warner Brothers. Um, An Xbox handheld that was in some form of R&D. 
mid-gen refreshes and next-gen Xbox dates of what they intend to do. A new Xbox controller that is supposed to be coming in. So there's a bunch to start on. But one of the things that's been getting a lot, a lot of attention has been Phil Spencer's emails in regard to Nintendo. And I want to bring it up because I do think it's very interesting uh, to see how this has kind of gone down. Part of that has been right back to what we were just talking about. Microsoft is in this weird position of trying to front themselves as consumer-friendly and gamer-friendly and Phil Spencer's a gamer, and yeah, he is. But if you hear this man talk, he's also a businessman, and he's trying to do what is best for Microsoft as a business. Maybe not what's good for the industry. So I've got the email pulled up here, and I'm going to read it. And it's, I'm going to not read it in its totality. That's very hard to do. But I'm going to read specifically the parts aimed at Nintendo. So there's a couple things. It says the unfortunate or fortunate for Nintendo situation is that Nintendo sitting on a big pile of cash. They have a board of directors that until recently has not pushed for further increases in market growth or stock appreciation. I say until recently as our former Microsoft board of director member value act has been heavily acquiring shares of Nintendo. And I've kept in touch with Mason Morfit as he's been acquiring. It's likely he'll be pushing for more, uh, for more from Nintendo stock, which could create opportunities for us. Without that catalyst, I don't see an angle to a near-term, mutually agreeable merger of Nintendo and Microsoft, and I don't think a hostile action would be a good move. So we are playing the long game, but our board of directors has seen the full write-up on Nintendo and Valve, and they are fully supportive on either if opportunity arises, as am I. First part. Second part, and I want to really focus in on this. I love this discussion and value you looking at the opportunities here. At this point, getting Nintendo would be a career moment. And I honestly believe a good move for both companies. It's just taking a long time for Nintendo to see that their future exists off of their own hardware. A long time <laughs> dot, 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 winky face. <laughs> this reads, and I get it. I get it. This reads like, in my position, this would be the fucking move. But looking at the way I truly feel and how the industry is, I often disagree with Nintendo. I do. But this is nothing less than how can we make Microsoft look better? How can we make Microsoft stronger? This is all business. Mm -hmm. Full stop. And I should expect no less from Microsoft because what are they? A business. And they're one of the largest businesses ever. We have a question around this, but Chris, do you want to take a second? To, is there anything just about what we just read that kind of sticks out to you that you see as uh, noteworthy is the word I will choose to use? Um. <laughs> This may be feeding the fanboy war, but I think this proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that Microsoft ha- Microsoft and Phil Spencer have no faith in themselves to make games. And 
The fact that okay. they feel like they need to acquire Nintendo and Valve. And again, I, there, there's a level of between these things because I think I would be like, I, I would be it, it hyped if any company bought them, right? And, and they mm. were, you know, hey, we're putting Nintendo games on everything now. But it does read a little like, Jesus Christ, man, you just bought. I mean, these are older emails, probably, I think, probably before Activision. These are 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at buying Nintendo, Bethesda, and Warner Brothers, and Valve on top of everything else you're buying. It's like you have no faith in, in the studios that you have. That's how it reads. Like, why do you need well, these things? See, this is where I think it's funny and where I'll push back against you a little bit. Uh, I get where you I get what you mean and I get where you're coming from and I get from a gamer standpoint why that's something that pops into your mind. But I'm going to tell you something crazy right now. A company that just wants to make money and strong arm their position into making money by any means necessary have never cared about the games. They only they true. only care about the games that they can make insofar as they further their goal of making more and more money. So, yes, you're right that they see the value of going after these other places because they've traditionally made money from games in a better fashion than Microsoft has managed to do more consistently, at least. Nintendo is kind of an interesting one. There's plenty of there's plenty to talk about with how Nintendo works and how Nintendo's monetization and money and how they were pre-Switch versus how they are post-Switch. There's a bunch to go over through there, most of which we probably won't even touch on. But at the end of the day, this is true of PlayStation. This is true of everything. PlayStation happens to make great games, but they only do so because they know that that's their best bet on making money. Their best bet on getting people to buy their system so that they can make more money from the third-party game sales is to make great games themselves that drive people to buy their system. Full stop. That's how it's always worked. That's how Nintendo works. Nintendo does so with a little less of a business orient to them. You know, up until recently, they have a board of directors and people very high up that seem very intent on making sure that Nintendo stays a uh, interesting and innovative company, even if it doesn't always come with the benefit of crazy profits. So, yes. But to the end that, yeah, they're going to buy anybody who they think will get more people to get into Xbox. Because uh, I don't know, one of the emails that if you saw was specifically about how, whether or not they thought that they could tap into PlayStation's user base if they could get Game Pass to run on a browser within PS5, therefore bypassing PS5 to let people <laughs> not buy their hardware, but buy their subscription and play it through that. And they said that they've, they've seen through telemetry that someone has tried and failed. Because the browser just forces itself closed. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you have to. It's very hard to get a browser open on PS5. You can, but it's hard. So yeah. I don't know how. It's like you have to do it. it this weird, odd way through. Yeah, yeah, you have to do it because I had to do this when I was in Texas. You have to send a message with a link, open that link, and then it will open a browser. But even that, I had trouble with. So. Yeah, and the browser is very bare bones. It doesn't oh, work yeah. very well, so you can't do anything within it. But it goes to show you that the thought process is how can we get more users, more eyes on more of our stuff to get someone to go? Well, I think uh, what's question, interesting about that ahead, specific point, quick, is there was another part in this that came out of Phil Spencer saying if Game Pass subs don't increase by 27, they would be out of the gaming space entirely. 
See, increase to what is the curiosity? On yeah, my, he doesn't go on into side, that, you know? but it was very, it was, uh, if we don't do this, we will not have. So I can, this quote I'm seeing on X is, uh, I can fair, fairly safely say that if we do not make more progress than this off of console, we would exit the gaming business, Phil Spence says. And that was if it doesn't grow enough by 2027. So that could mean anything. So the the super interesting five, part. That's not even five. But well, to be fair, at the, at the time it's of the emails, if those are also twenty twenty, yeah. yeah, that's it's in, here's the interesting bold. part. What makes this all interesting? What if they did buy Nintendo and it didn't matter? And then it's, it's like okay, which brings us to the crux of the question. Sony buys everything because they flash sale like THQ did, right? Like. Is that Jim Ryan's big play? Is he knows Game Pass won't grow? So he's like, you guys are going to quit Here's soon. I'm going to have everything for cheap. Here's the thing. Even if Xbox even if Xbox divested themselves from gaming as a company, all that would happen is they would still hold on to all the publishing rights for everything they bought. All those oh, companies yeah. were mostly profitable when they bought them. And all that would happen is that they would no longer be branded through Microsoft or, or through Xbox specifically. And they would go back to being third-party publishers who release on everything and make money for Microsoft and here's without having to be sold off. If that is the end result of all this, I will say this now. If the end result of the next console generation is Microsoft is a third-party publisher and it's Sony and Nintendo, I mean, I think that would be that would put Sony in an interesting position where they're the only person on the market with a with a competitive console but i think overall that's probably best case scenario for gamers right the vast i don't majority. know because i think the problem that you run into is that now micro now sony doesn't have anybody pushing them on the tech front on on the exclusive front and so i think to a degree depending on who you are you could view it as a hit because sony oh. may not make a console that's as as uh, technologically advanced, Sony may not make a God of War 2018 and do a huge risk if they don't have to go. Well, we we can't even slide a little bit. We can't we can't cede well, any ground to Xbox. You know what I mean? Hold on, like though, that competition is real net, real healthy. I I agree, but don't you think a Sony with no competition would be? I don't know. Would make would take more risks on things. I don't know. I, I'm not saying with absolute certainty. I genuinely don't know. Because think about I, all I'm saying way. is no if, competition has its own impact. True. Uh, but if you know, you're looking at... In all industry. If Sony's looking at Days Gone internally and they're like, if we made a Days Gone 2 and it's only an 80 and that doesn't put us in a position to continue being the marquee place for quality games, but then you, but then there's no Xbox to compete with them in that sense... And then it's okay. Well, Days Gone Two is trending at an eighty, and that's okay with us because, you know, we're not going to be trounced by Recore Three or whatever whatever game that Microsoft puts out to kind of compete with Days Gone. And I agree with you in the end. Competition is very important. We saw this with Madden and and Two K with football. Like it is important. I'm not trying to, to downplay that, but if Microsoft is still making great games and Sony is still making great consoles, I guess the question for me is why would any of that change? And yeah, it, I mean, it it's a good question. And lazy, but you also I have can't, a, you can't, excuse me, you can't leave the door open. I have a tangential thing that I don't want to move away too far from the question that's gotten asked to us, but I have a tangential question real quick that, that ties into that. 
if Microsoft were to leave, the, do you think for the first time in over 20 years, we would see a real big player hit the console space and actually make a big ground in the console space? Or do you think the boat for that is gone? Do you think that it becomes PC is suddenly PlayStation's real competitor as PC continues to find ways for people to play it in a more traditional sense, like Steam I mean, Deck? I think we are at a point where PC is the the natural competitor. I think PC is the natural competitor now. It's just a natural competitor to Xbox and Sony. Um, I don't think. I think the window will open. Because it will have to, right? And I think the most interesting thing that could happen is, yeah, you're right. They could, Microsoft could just be like, we're out. We're going to keep, Bethesda's going to be Bethesda and we're folding everything into Bethesda and Zenimax and they're just going to run, put out games for us and that's what we do. But there's no Xbox anymore. It's just this. What I wouldn't be surprised by is a company like Google or Apple or Samsung or any of these companies being like, Okay, you guys are out. How about how about you give us some of these as exclusives, and we'll make a console. Then Xbox gets the risk; See. they can still kind of shove it to Sony, and then there is that still that competition. I think what Xbox I leaving only opens the door is for that, else. Yeah, I agree, and that's where I think it's kind of interesting because one of the weirdest things about Xbox entering the gaming space the entire way through is that Microsoft is not a hardware company; they never have been. Right. They are a software company. And I almost feel like you can see the difference in that for the fact that they make, I'm not trashing their hardware, but point being, it was a very big risk for them to come into an industry where they would suddenly have to deal with hardware when they don't traditionally have that basis to them. Sony was a hardware company. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Nintendo was a hardware company already putting things in in a gaming fashion, but there was hardware within gaming and they were able to move that up into a very, uh, you know, what do you call that? I guess like a um, toy focused, you know, more fun and activity based. I don't know what word I'm trying to use there, but point being, you see that um, – that history from the other players and you don't see that from Microsoft. So it's actually kind of amazing that Microsoft's been able to come in and swing as hard as they have. Cause you mentioned other, other places. One of the biggest reasons that I feel like Google has had such a hard time trying to break through. And I, I have a pixel. I love my pixel, but if I'm being honest to you, Google has consistently had an issue with being consistent with their hardware. Mm-hmm. I loved my Google pixel too. It was incredible. I did not like any of the pixels up until the six again, and they all had massive problems because Google's not a hardware company. What did we see come down when they tried to do Stadia? Similar problems. So it's interesting to see. I wonder who would take that vacuum. But Chris, let's go back to the idea of uh, Nintendo real quick. And Rude Days ninety three, one of our longtime listeners, patrons, he says, "Gonna piss some people off with this one, but let's enter the Y and B Xbox podcast." Clearly, there's a a laundry list of negatives if Microsoft bought Nintendo. But for shits and giggles, how about listing the positives? So, Chris. Doesn't that mean I have to think there's positives? Yeah. (laughs) If if, if there were going to be positives somewhere deep within this uh, idea of moving, what do you think they'd be? I can go ahead and tell you, Rude Days gave the most obvious answer. What is uh, it? that? I, Nintendo actually having a reasonable and competent online system, 
and infrastructure. I think it's gamer propaganda that Nintendo does not have a reasonable online infrastructure, first of all. As someone who has played the Wii U and the Switch online, I can tell you they have the least robust of the three. But why do and they need more than that? I think that they know that. that. And I think that that's also why they're priced so low, even with their paid-for subscriptions for online. They're aware of what they have. They're the only system that you cannot communicate on the system itself, which is getting less important as the Discord is continuing to grow. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if the Switch 2, as we're going to call it for lack of a better term right now, will launch with Discord integration like Xbox and uh, PlayStation have done or not. You don't think so? No. I think maybe not because they're so kid-focused and they're worried about that. Thank you. (laughs) What about the children's console? Look, everyone likes the Switch. Everyone owns the Switch. I I think that is primarily for kids and adults who have not grown out of Mario. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is my hottest take of all time, and I love my Switch. But that is what the Switch is for. Why do they need an abund- a crazy online system? What, so you can play Splatoon? Who have not grown out of Pokemon, thank you. I haven't grown out of Pokemon either, so it's not an insult. But Smash is actually the game that I go to. Uh, Smash, Smash on Wii U and Smash, Smash on... has their own problems. So I'm not going <laughs> to touch that. So... <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, There's no reason for a Nintendo console to have... An Xbox Live and PSN style online. You can play the games I, online. They work. Mm-hmm. But the console and the games are not built for online interactions where you're in a Call of Duty lobby hearing the N-word over and over again. This is a console that is it's it is the it is a children's console. Okay. Adults love Star Wars and those are children's fairy tales. All right. Adults can love things for children. That is okay. You're allowed to do that. But you have to look at yourself and go, this is a console that the primary user base is kids. Why do they need an Xbox Live or PlayStation Network level system? And fuck everything else you're saying. It is the cheapest one, and it has the best online library, subscription-based library of all three of them. Okay? It does. I don't even like Ocarina of Time. And I can tell you that for $50 a year to get Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess available for as long as you have the subscription, that is a better value than anything I've ever gotten out of PlayStation Plus and and Game Pass. Okay? There is no logical reason for that to, to be necessary. I would be willing to bet Microsoft buys them and they have a dual. There's the Switch and here's the Xbox. And guess what? We're not touching the Switch online because Nintendo is a kid's company. Nintendo, for all their flaws, spend far too much time attempting to protect the kids on their system. That sounded really bad, but they do a lot of what they do is to protect kids on their system that's why they don't have shit like roblox right you've we said it on the last episode it's not there because nintendo is protecting the kids there so there's absolutely no shot that a better online system is coming it would come to a switch i don't think even if microsoft owned them they would change it 
because that's not okay, what the console's so for. Let's take a step back because what I would say is I would almost agree with this assertion and I kind of still do, but less in the online interaction situation and more about how your account's set up and how it's carried forward. If it wouldn't have been for the fact that the Switch finally did give you an account that all your purchases tied to that you can carry from system to system by just logging in, I would say that that's why they're still behind because the Wii U and the 3DS, both well after the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 kind of set the precedent on how online accounts work and how your purchases on them go, that would have been the big thing. Now that Nintendo have at least mostly solved that problem internally, the the impetus to do something more is severely lessened. So I'll give you that. Uh, We've moved very far away from the the question, but it's funny, going back to what you were saying about the way that... um, Nintendo is. I would say Nintendo is not necessarily for kids so much as it's kid-friendly. I'd say that kids fall under the the category I'm about to give. The Switch is like what iPhone is for cell phones. For people who aren't incredibly tech-savvy, but just want something that's relatively easy to pick up, play, and put down, that's what the Switch is. And kids fall into that category. They don't have to know how to do much in order to pick this thing up that doesn't have a lot of other stuff in the way, and you go. And then PC is like Android. And then in the middle of that, Xbox and PlayStation are Samsung, where they're like a specific version of of PC architecture. (laughs) And they try and support it with their own, you know, we have the Samsung store, and we have the Samsung VR, and we have the Sam, you know what I mean? Like they try and have their own things. So that's how I view the games industry when you compare it against something that's a little more broad, like the phone industry. Um, going back to the question, I don't know what could be a positive outside of maybe a better infrastructure for online. So not like Chris is talking about with online play, even though that is something. I still mean more account understanding, uh, the ability to game share by having multiples and owning. And I don't know where that's at on Switch right now, but I know it didn't start well. Um, But I think, like Chris said, Microsoft and Nintendo feel like the polar opposites company-wise. Like Nintendo is so focused in its niche and Microsoft is so focused on trying to serve everybody that it's almost like they're inherently different from each other. So I don't I don't know. Nintendo has a crap ton of money, so they don't necessarily need the money that Microsoft would give them. Yeah. So I don't know. I I like, don't see- what else does Microsoft do that them buying Nintendo well, because re- reading the email, them buying Nintendo inherently means that Nintendo consoles are gone, right? You would think. Because his wording is that their future exists off of their hardware. I actually don't disagree with that part. Oh, he degree. might not be wrong. I mean, it, it, but here's the other thing. It didn't work that well for Sega. I mean, Sega's at least still around. <laughs> but I think people thought that was an obvious choice for Sega. And uh, Yeah, but I don't think Sega, Sega would be around if we were on the Dreamcast 2. I think that oh, would yeah, just, would, there would be no They would have literally went under. So yeah. their future is off console. It's just not a very successful console future, right? Yeah, maybe. I see... No but I benefit. think that wording sounds like Microsoft wants to buy it and get rid of the hardware, right? So I would agree. The benefits can't be on the hardware level. They have to be strictly on the software level, right? Yeah. I, I think this is the thing, and this is the, the reality of it, in my opinion, is there is no benefit for Nintendo for this 
only benefit for Microsoft, which is why <laughs> if you read the email, Phil Spencer is like, I'd like to avoid a hostile takeover if I could. Mm-hmm. He's literally talking that about very specific. potentially yeah. having a hostile takeover of Nintendo because it is clear to everyone Nintendo has no reason to do this. The only reason for this is so that Microsoft can put Mario on Game Pass. So, yeah, a hostile takeover would be the best way for Microsoft to go about it because Nintendo has no reason to do this. Even if their future is off console, again, why the fuck would micro- they need Microsoft to do that? They don't <laughs> because here's okay. Here's the part that here's the the reality. What what future off console does Nintendo have selling to the smallest audience? <laughs> Going to Microsoft would be bringing their games to less people, <laughs> at least right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Le- yeah. So what's the point? What are you talking about? They stand to gain substantially more by just gain, saying, yeah, we're going to be third party now. We're going to release right. all of our games on PlayStation, Xbox, and, and PC, Xbox. phone. Yeah, that would be the only way this makes sense. If if Nintendo was going to go exclusive with any console to do better, it would be Sony. And even then, <laughs> the Switch is selling better than the PlayStation. So why the fuck would they do that? This is yeah. this is what I imagine a kid with unlimited money does, where he goes, "I want, I want to buy the Empire State Building, Daddy." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's he. He's just a kid who knows he has unlimited funds, and probably at this point, given some of the other stuff that we've read about, he knows that Xbox is on a clock. So he's like, "Okay, what's the fastest way? Buying Nintendo, putting Mario on Game Pass. That'll work." And he's right, that probably would work, but there is no benefit to Nintendo for doing that. I'll tell you this, and then we can move off of this particular thing and talk about, just touch on some of the other ones I thought were interesting. Um, The quote, getting Nintendo would be a career moment, end quote, I think says a lot about the way this is viewed. And I really think that it actually does a lot to change my... I I had, even though I don't love Xbox and I think that they do plenty of things I don't like, uh, this inherently changes the way I view Phil. But here's the thing. Deep down inside, I've always known that this is what Microsoft is and this is who Phil was. You can kind of lie to yourself prior to these emails that Phil is just a nice guy who's acting as the filter for Microsoft through us and he's like catching all the unconsumer friendly things and all the things that are bad for industries and he's pushing them away and he's giving you the best version of Microsoft. I I don't think that that's what's happening. I think he's just very good at fronting what needs to be looked like. He's really good at PR. (laughs) And this kind of goes back to this. I I promise. I don't really like Jim Ryan, but I respect that Jim Ryan's just like, yeah, fuck, it's a business. (laughs) Yeah. I know that it sounds weird, but it, it almost feels more slimy for Phil to be going out there and be like, yeah, I play games. And yeah, he does. But at the end of the day, he's putting out emails like this, which it sounds exactly like the kind of shit that you saw from Jim Ryan, if I'm being honest, except for Jim Ryan, when he was asked about it, was like, yeah, it's a business. <laughs> like, right. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to block this deal. It doesn't benefit PlayStation at all. So why would I want them to get away with it? Phil, I don't know, man. I as a, he, Phil Spencer is a great businessman. He's a great fronter. But yeah, he's just full of shit. Even even the 
He's a much better but, front than Don Matrick. I mean, that, and that's what they needed. Even all so. the stuff he's been saying about Bethesda, it's like, dude, you've been lying this whole time. And then obviously Xbox gamers are going to love him because they play on that console. It's like I've always said, like Jim Ryan. But I find that weird because I don't for, love Jim Ryan, though. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, arguably, I really I don't like Jim Ryan. But I at least no, like but, that he's about the business. Look, I don't. I, I'm gonna. <laughs> this is the only way I can think to make this point. So I'm not trying to downplay what I'm about to say. But Xbox fans were in an abusive marriage with the Xbox, right? And they divorced Don Matrick and they married Phil Spencer, and now they're getting showered with gifts, right? Like that's not happening on the PlayStation side. You've been in a good marriage, even when you had Sean Layden kissing your toes. And even when it was, uh, I can't remember the other guy. Who was the other guy? Not Jack Ryan. Jack Trenton? Jack Trenton. You know, these guys, like, Sony has stayed consistent throughout the whole time. They've put out good good to great games. The whole time there's never been there's never been a wait till next year and we've got our games wait till next year wait till next year wait till we buy activision like that's not how sony has ever operated so that we've i feel like as sony fans there's never been a holy fuck please somebody get us something to play right somebody justify my console we haven't had to put our hopes on one person like people have. I get exactly. what you mean. I, and now and Phil I know Spencer that is answering the prayers. That, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with like baseball, where it's like if your team hasn't spent signed any free agents and you're in last place every year, and then all of a sudden you fire the GM, you bring in a new guy, and he signs the best pitcher on the market, and he signs the best pitcher over here, and it's getting to a point where people are like, oh, they're just buying wins. You know, and what he's I mean? like, next year we're gonna bring the cup home, and then right. that cu- and then comes, okay, guys, well, we didn't bring the ho- cup home this year, but we got a new pitcher. So exactly. next year it's ours, and then the next year comes. Guess what? Though we got a new first baseman. Guess what? We are about to fucking run the show. You exactly. Know? Yeah, and that's yeah, how, that's it. how Xbox feels. Whereas PlayStation, it's like our farm system's damn good, and we're we're every time we call up a prospect, he's he's a rookie of the year, and that has not happened on Xbox. So when you know, you're seeing this drought of games, and then Phil Spencer's like, "Hey, guess what? Call of Duty's on. <laughs> Call of Duty's mine." You know what I mean? Hey, here's Crash Bandicoot exclusive to your console. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would understand being like, "Holy shit, I love this dude," but obviously, it's the complete opposite for PlayStation. We're like, "Well, I wanted to play Starfield too. I would have <laughs> if you didn't. If you weren't here, I would have gotten to play Starfield." So yeah. you know, it's all it's funny seeing how it bounces around. Um, well, in the effort in the effort of talking about things where it's looking like they're trying to borrow or uh, learn from each other, one of the things I thought was interesting was um, the talk of this uh, next Xbox controller called Seabull, Seabow, coming in May 24. At least that's what it was planned as all these years ago, where it was going to use all of the DualSense functionality, <coughs> like haptic feedback and all these different things, uh, trigger stops, or you know what I mean, the adaptive triggers, and. This is not very surprising. Phil Spencer's gone on uh, record saying he thought the DualSense was a really good controller and that it did something interesting. And we saw Microsoft do the same thing during the Xbox One generation. As you may recall, when Xbox One first came out, the controllers were not Bluetooth yet. They were still just wireless, uh, IR blasters, if I remember. And they also did not have a headphone jack. You had to buy an adapter to plug your own headphones in. That was $24.99. And eventually, when the when the S came out, 
they had a Bluetooth controller with a 3.5 jack for headphones and microphone. So we've seen them borrow good ideas from other people before. This is not really a, a surprise. We see it happen a lot in the industry. I think this is a good move. Personally, I miss a lot of the DualSense features when I'm playing my Xbox. Facts. So I think that's cool. Um, it is interesting. Plans must have changed on the mid-gen refresh because I do feel like Phil Spencer has gone on record lately within the last year saying he doesn't think that there's a need for a mid-gen refresh for Xbox. So it's funny that they went through the R&D process of it, but then decided not to move forward with it. And I wonder what the reason for that is. Do you think it's because of the Series S messaging and they decided to double down on making sure all games are playable on all consoles and they know a, mid- a mid-gen refresh only makes that harder? Um I think it's a matter of they know that they can't go all digital, and it seemed clear that their next, uh, the mid-gen refresh was supposed to be adorably all digital. So um, maybe they were just like, we just can't do this yet, and the Series X is powerful enough. Or 75% of our audience is on the Series S, so why would we bother upgrading it when the Series X is right there? They can just buy that. That's a a very fair point. Um, To that end, I am very surprised at the adoption rate for Series S versus Series X. Whenever those numbers came out, I thought, wow. No, I mean, you seem to not be surprised. So, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just because the series, take it from whatever place of privilege you want to take it, but the Series S is very much priced as a oops. I bought a Series S today, and the Series X is very much more of a conversation you have to have with yourself, I think. Well, definitely when a lot of the times the Series S has been given out for even cheaper. Like, you remember yeah. when you can go to Verizon and get it for 150 bucks? Right, exactly. So like, I don't know what was up with that, but that's real weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just giving them away. That's yeah, where the Bill know. Gates 5G virus is. It's in the Series S is from Verizon. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting, too. A lot of people have been talking about this, but everyone thought that there would have been a, a Red Dead Redemption 2 next gen by now. And from what this is saying, Microsoft thought that this would have already been out, which sounds to me like they had there was talks with Rockstar, and Rockstar had plans to do this that maybe have fallen through. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's just that. It probably fell through. Either they got busy with GTA 6 or the remasters for three uh, Definitive Edition came out and they decided not to do another remake. I don't know. Or remaster. I don't know. But okay, there you maybe go. this is well, coming out Well, speaking of remasters, remakes, Oblivion and Fallout 3, remasters, remakes on the Bethesda side of things. Uh, what are you thinking? you think there'll be remakes or remasters? I feel like the answer, of if it's remasters, there's no point. The Series X and Series S both already play them in what is virtually a remastered state. What if the remaster is PlayStation exclusive? <laughs> I mean, $70? Yeah. $70 for this. <laughs> and the thing is, I, if I was Microsoft, I was messaged it that way. Well, that's what I mean. This yeah, is $70 we talked about this a lot, though. you have it Free already. over here? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. but you already have it, and it comes out to PlayStation next year. And I'll tell you straight up, I would take a port. I would take a port just as broken on PS Five. Hey, PS Five Seven Twenty P. I don't need anything second, better. Go. I don't need a single thing better. 
Let me get that platinum one more time. As long as they do not change the duct tape sound on repairs. That's the biggest thing that Fallout has fucked up. Do you remember repairing in Fallout 3 and you would get the like of duct tape every single time? Yes. That was the best sound of video games. Then they took it out. For what reason? That duct tape is perfect. It is the duct tape is almost as good as the cooking sound from Breath of the Wild. Okay. When you when you remaster Fallout 3, listen to me. Come here, Phil. When you remaster Fallout 3, you do not change the duct tape sound. Okay. I'm not asking you to put it back in when you remaster Fallout 4 and when you remaster New Vegas. You don't need to put it in there. I'd like that, but you don't need to. But you do not take it out of Fallout 3. I I would be very upset if you did that. There you go, Chris. Your plea has been made. And my plea has already potentially been answered because it does sound like there is room for a Dishonored 3, which I'm not going to lie to you. I never thought would happen. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I love Dishonored. And that series has consistently sold so bad. Um, I don't know. I worry for Arcane's existence as a studio, and I adore them. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. Well, they did make Redfall, so who knows what the hell's going to happen to them? Yeah, I don't know, man. Ghostwire Tokyo 2 I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, and again, I wonder how many of these plans have changed. But it's just interesting to see that there were ever even thought processes toward them. So I don't really want to spend too much more time on these. I think the most interesting one was the acquisition email. Um, and the rest of it's just kind of There's interesting There's one more thing about. I thought was interesting, though, if you don't mind. Go ahead. The Go ahead. Uh, it, I, Apparently in those documents, it was shown that Fallout or Starfield was never being made exclusively for PlayStation. So that BS, like we bought Bethesda to keep Starfield on our console, was untrue. Well, I'm curious about that because I'd wonder it was never being exclusively made for PlayStation, but PlayStation was apparently in some level of talks with them to see if they could get an exclusivity deal. Microsoft say they caught wind of that and tried buying it so that they couldn't lose out to PlayStation. I don't know if that would reveal itself here. You know what I mean? Yeah, all I'm saying is when I was reading some of the talk about it, that was a specific point that I saw brought up a bunch was the game was never a PlayStation exclusive. So that line was not as true. Yeah, and, and it never was. The The way that the news was, was fed back then was that much like Ghostwire and um, Deathloop, that PlayStation was in talks to get a timed exclusivity window and because of that, Microsoft were like, we can't lose a game like Starfield, and we have a good relationship with them. I, All the conspiracy and business things aside, I think that's true. I think Microsoft, I think Sony had every reason to be like, hey, let's bolster our PS5 presence with a Bethesda game exclusive to us, even for a year. Okay. And I think Microsoft thought we have better relationship with Bethesda, which they clearly do, and thought we have the money to buy them and make sure that that doesn't happen. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel found like, that I feel like that's one of the few positions where it, it, they were actually telling the truth. So, but I would love to have a document that came out and legit said that that never even existed. <laughs> that would be so yeah. weird. But. Uh, who knows? Uh, the Elder Scrolls Six was originally planned for twenty four. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> uh, in twenty twenty, nah, crazy, crazy. All right. Um, 
I'm going to end it off. Um, we have one question that I didn't get to on Twitter. So let's make it quick and do that one. And it comes from RMG0731. And he said, the never-ending the never ending Xbox consolidation tale continues as more documents and emails are leaked, with the latest being they were eyeing WB and Shocker again, Nintendo. Not sure how Xbox media will spin that logic as non-monopolistic, but I ask you the same question. <laughs> how is so it Chris, non-monopolistic? Yeah, if you know, do we think it is or isn't monopolistic? I suppose is what the question is. I mean, quite frankly, I've thought it's been monopolistic since Bethesda. So, I actually thought, considering where Bethesda was, and that the only thing that was really promising for Bethesda seemed to be from Bethesda Game Studios, I actually thought that one made sense as much as I didn't love it. For the me, moment they announced Activision, though, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's a that's a big fucking step." I've just that's always like, felt "What that if publishers. we bought five? What, what what if we bought seven Bethesdas at once?" That's basically what they said. <laughs> yeah, I've just always felt that publishers and studios, like publishers, to me, has always felt monopolistic. Whether it is by the letter of the law or not, it's felt that way to me. So. Well, it has the same thing you were talking about, right? Like it takes away competition from the open market. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting one to see. I, would I don't know how there'd okay be a way to do that. If Microsoft had bought exclusivity for every Bethesda game, but Bethesda was technically independent, I wouldn't have anything to say. But right now, buying them feels monopolistic. And co- consolidated is probably the better word. But Well, because the difference is, is that <sighs> this is a little wrong, but you could say that when they're independent and they're taking that deal, they have the chance to say yes or no. And PlayStation has a chance to outbid them, which is just the market working, how it works, but being right. bought. But here's the thing. They could have said no to the, to the purchase, but that's where you get to but that thing where really all this email true. keeps talking about the board of directors. And it comes down to the board of directors and the shareholders ultimately are what determine if a company wants to sell or not. Well, that's and exactly you notice it. everybody talked about how Activision and Blizzard was too big of a move and maybe this shouldn't happen. Every single Activision Blizzard shareholder was like, fuck yeah, Microsoft wants to buy us, pump them numbers. <laughs> like, well, that's we exactly get? it. They're, yeah. they're required to sell if the if shareholders want it. The only time that someone could choose not to sell is if like Microsoft went to Larian and was like, no, we don't want your six billion. We want to stay independent. Well, Bethesda actually, yeah, Bethesda could have said no. They yeah, were an uh, independent studio. Oh, I thought they were. Uh, well, yeah, no, Zen- Activision Zenimax had isn't, though. Zenimax was. Zenimax was a privately held company. Uh, well, they were not publicly traded. Either way, I'm but maintaining publishing. 100% was. <laughs> So either way for me, publishers is just a step too far. It's always been for me. And now we're going to see publishers getting bought more often. So, well, the, the seal has been broken, right? Exactly. And that's the kind of interesting part. So that they you say into. you don't pee when you're drinking because then you'll never stop peeing. We're never going to stop getting MMA or MNA. <sighs> All right. We have an interesting one here. Uh, we're moving into the sexiest part of the show, Chris. So oh, we've God. already talked about the community stake. If you want to share your thoughts on how wrong I am or how right you uh, Basically, do you agree, disagree, or have a middling opinion on where phone gaming is uh, and how, what its impact could be within the next two years? And then also pass that as phone gaming continues to iterate with new phones. So we will put that out there. Uh, you can follow us over on Triangle or uh, on X. 
used to be Twitter, at Triangle SQRD. You can find us in a Facebook group, Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast, or you can click the link in the description below. Hop into the Discord. Uh, but we have the Velvet's Corner that we're going to slip into real quick. We're going to get into something a little more comfortable. So, Chris, join me. Velvet's Corner. All right, Chris. Velvet has come up with a game. Another game. Another game. All right. So we are going to be working together. Here we are. It's a quiz, and it's called Terrible Reviews of Excellent Games. So he's collected three reviews for each game, and your goal is to guess what the game is from the reviews alone. However, you get less points the more reviews you need to look at. The first review will be quite abstract and will be worth three points. The second has a good hint and is worth two points, and the last is pretty obvious will be worth one point. When you think you know the game, you reveal the answer, and if it's wrong, you get no points. You're working as a team to get the most amount of points. If you score less than 15 points total, you lose uh, your punishment will be for you to each wear lipstick during the next video recording of the podcast. Good luck, gentlemen. Do you accept these terms, Chris? And don't tell me you don't have access to lipstick. You have a mother. <laughs> yeah, she's got COVID, so it's not possible. Uh, anyway, let's start the game. I feel I, I feel confident in our ability to make this work. Okay. Okay. So 15 points. 15 points. So there's right. a number of games here. We're going to move through relatively, relatively quickly. Hopefully, we only need the first, you know, first review on each one, right? Yeah, let's do it relatively quickly. Well, yeah, well, twivly. Thank you. Well, well twivly quickly. <laughs> All right. First game, first review. Okay, hit me. Uh, and I'm going to give it to you. Oh, come on, Discord. Now's the time. Okay. The reviewer is kindest. I just felt like that was funny. They gave it a four, and they said the most overrated game in history. In almost every aspect, it is either just bad or worse than any RPG game in history. And here's another hint for you. The review hit August 11th of this of year. This year. Now, that could be a red herring because you can review a game at any point in time. Use a review. So I asked. Oh, if he's going with user reviews, I'm I'm calling some bullshit on this. But okay. Well, these are. Well, actually, I don't know what kindest is, but I'm going to assume these are user reviews, and some of them give more information. So this is a vague, broad strokes one. Do you think you can come up with an answer out of this? Do I only have one guess? Here's the thing: if if we get it wrong, we get no points. So if we don't feel confident from this one, we can go to the second review. No, next next review. I don't even uh, know what this could be from this year. Atlas Fallen, maybe? Okay, you ready? Not a guess. Okay, we have user Waka Flocka, <laughs> who gave it a zero. Okay, definitely on September user 10th of 2020. 2020? Okay. Yep, same game. So like I said, red herring. Overhyped parody hybrid of Skyrim plus Robin Hood. First and second games were much better. Thief? I don't think so, because I don't see where Skyrim comes into to Thief. But maybe. And so that would be the third least. Thief game. Because you have so, Thief yeah. and then Thief the Dark Project. So there's at least three games in the series. 
and it's a 2020 game. When did Tales of Arise come out? I Here's the only thing I'd say, th- just so I can go back to the name of this rev- of this game. This quiz is terrible reviews of excellent games. Now I'm choosing to believe that he's saying these are games that are rated since reviews are what we're going off of here in the excellent territory, which I'm going to assume is 85 and up. Do you feel kind of okay with that territory? That seems right. So just so I can give you a little more thing, there are 10 games total. So we're going to have to at least try and answer to get, to make sure we get 15 points. We're going to have to try and be bold here and there at the risk of potentially getting none. So we go through overhyped parody hybrid of Skyrim plus Robin hood. First and second games were much more better. I wish I felt confident in this. Yeah, I'm (laughs) not confident. Because in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, could it be Hoods and Outlaws? No, there's not two games. There's not two games. Yeah, it's it's the third game aspect of this that's getting me, right? And then you Horizon, maybe? I know there's not three games, but I'm assuming they're dumb. But I can assume these people are stupid. You can't assume these people are stupid. I will give you that. Why would Robin Hood come to mind other than bows and arrows? But I thought the same bows thing. Bows and arrows. I don't see how in the hell this could be The Witcher 3. But technically, it could be The Witcher 3. It could be The Witcher 3. I don't see Robin Hood. Uh, I don't either, unless you're kind of thinking fantasy. But okay. I mean, Skyrim falls let under me that. Pitch you one. Let me pitch you one. Okay. Yeah, let me hear, let me hear you out. Red Dead Redemption 2. First and second games were much better. Red Dead 2. <laughs> Red Dead Revolver is a Red Dead game. You are not wrong. Even though it's it, by no means should it be, but that you are not it is wrong. still the third game. Red Dead you 2. are still correct. Because <laughs> uh... Robin Hood with the robbing and the giving to the poor, which in that case is just them. But. Dude, I don't know. I feel strongly that the only game that would fit the excellent category in my mind but would get hit with this, I think it's The Witcher 3. And the fact that it hit in 2020 makes me think that this might have been review bombing in response to Cyberpunk's launch. And so Witcher 3 got hit by people hitting it with stupid reviews i'm willing to go with you on witcher 3 but that doesn't feel right because there's a 2023 review of it that we read you are right do you feel locked in with me can i reveal the answer or do you want to take the risk to get two points or do you want to do the final review and get one point i want the fight i want the final because i'm not confident in witcher 3 but i'm willing to take the risk chris i ask that you that you trust me all right i trust you Okay. Let's see. Oh, is the spoiler? Oh, thank God it's Witcher 3. <laughs> <laughs> the spoiler tag didn't work for a second. And I was like, oh no, is it? <laughs> what is it? All right. Now that we know that, I'm going to click the final review just because I'm curious. Jack Bauer. Isn't that the guy from 24? So we got two <laughs> points. I'm keeping track. Okay. CD Projekt Red are a company of fraud and scammers. Can't download next gen update oh that is true this game may have gotten new reviews when the next gen updates hit that might be why they're newer yeah that's fair fair all right game number two chris first review 
comes from Brain123, giving it a, a whopping zero on May 13th of this year. Outdated graphics with unbalanced game with terrible controls doesn't make it hard. The game is frustrating. Holy shit, that gives nothing. Chris, I know what it is. Do I have your permission to go to this? What is it? What is, what is your thought? It's Elden Ring. I hit the next review. It's Elden Ring. Outdated graphics, unbalanced game, terrible controls. I'm almost confident you know, enough to say flip it now. I'm almost that confident that look, it's Elden Ring. Look, Chris, you trust in me. If you tell me right now, trust you, I'll do it. I don't know that I trust myself on this enough. But it, the do, only you, do you want to hear the second review? Because we could still get two points. And, and then, then we get, lose out on what, five? What do you mean? It's five no, two get, zero, right? Or five two one? No, no, it's three three points for the first oh. review, two points for the second review. It's only we only lose one point by doing it this way. I think that going to the second may, if you're not feeling confident, going to the second may give you your answer. Well, let's let's hear. Let's brainstorm, and for we a can second. still get two points. Can right? you think of anything else in this t- in that time period that would that would have that review? Can you read it again? Outdated graphics, Elden Ring, with unbalanced game. Elden Ring. With terrible controls. Elden Ring. Doesn't make it hard. The game is frustrating. Elden Ring. Because they don't feel like the game is hard because they went and fought that guy on the horse, which you're supposed to go around at the beginning, and they died 80 Uh times. And then I'm super close to saying I'm positive it's Elden Ring. Look, dude, if you want to take the risk, I will follow you down this rabbit hole. There's 10 games here. 10 games. If we we're get not, two points from each game, we'll, we'll win. We're not missing out on much if we're wrong here. But we, we, I'm we miss you, out on three points total. I'm going to let I'll, you I will make follow the call you into the dark. Because I, I think I'm right. But I don't. I trusted you. Let's do it. I don't want to be wrong either. Please be right. Let's do it. Elden Ring? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're at five points. We're going to make easy work of this. <laughs> That was immediate, oh. smelled like an Elden Ring re- reader review. All right, here we go. Game number three, first review coming from a, a zero from Yoho Hot 88. Yoho Hot TK, I don't know, 88, October 12th, 2022. I don't know what's wrong with this game, but I constantly have to pay for something I didn't do. Total shit. <laughs> <laughs> I constantly have to pay for something I didn't do. Could it be a Dark Souls? You have to pay for dying, and the guy feels like it's unfair. I can't, I got oh. nothing. No, I would say I would say next. I feel next like it, it could be a real interesting one. I've, I'm agree with you though. I don't have something strong. We'll go to the second one. Oh. Endless, unskippable. So this is January 23rd, 21. A score of one from Mulp. Hold on. End- I'm going to guess before we even say it. It's Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that too, but let's find out. Hold on. Oh, no. No, 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 no. It's Red Dead 2. Go read it. Here Endless, unskippable cutscenes and intros. Sorry for the low score, but what the fuck? Let me play the fucking game. Three hours of riding in the fracking snow. It's Red Dead. Come on. Yeah, it's Red Dead. It's Red Dead. That was too odd. That review made it too obvious, Velvet. I love... First of all, I want to say, I like the new format. We've gone from like weird, vaguely (laughs) sexual things to fun games, and I like the games. 
So I did this too. Is this good. is fun. When he when he messaged right me, now. I was like, absolutely, because it is a lot more work. So thank you, Velvet. We appreciate you. Yes. Uh, that's that. This is very fun, Chris. Do you feel like we can unveil this answer? Yeah, this is obviously Red Dead Two. Red Dead Two. What are you paying Maybe. for? We got so we got two points. I think it might be saying that. Well, I don't want to spoil the game, but you are just kind of. I don't know the paying for. I think it may be saying like your. If you're talking about the donation box, I guess, but. Oh, maybe. But I was thinking he's saying like the character is paying with all these unfair things that's happening to him just because he's being the agent of someone else. This is I don't want to fuck- say much more than Brett, that. This is a fucking guy who is review bombing Red Dead 2 on Metacritic. <laughs> under, he's not thinking that He's hard. not thinking about the fucking thematic view of the game here. That's, that's a fair point. All right. Game four, Chris. We got, we're doing good. We're at, we're at seven, seven this points. This is solid. Yeah, we're doing solid. All right. Game four, first review. From Deacle Deal Games, Love that. April 14th, 2018, a one. They are asking money expensive for this game. If I were, if it were free to play, I would give a six or seven. As an expensive dollar sign, I give one out of 10. Here's the thing follow me through here. I feel like it's saying that if it were free to play means that this is some type of multiplayer experience. I have two games in my head. Oh, 2018. Can I get, I'll give you my games. You ready? Go ahead. It's either PUBG or Battleborn. Okay. When did Battleborn die? I've- 2017, 2018? Because if it didn't die in 2018, then it wouldn't make sense. Because it was. Well, let me ask you this unplayable. much, Chris. Do you feel confident enough to forgive no. for, to forego the second no. review? Because I no, think no, I no. want to go to the second review. Go to the second review. Okay, second review. Here we <clears> are. <throat> From Slime Corrupted, a zero on October 4th of 2017. Generally speaking, incredibly boring gameplay tedious enemy design most enemies look the same way the game is just boring and characters are unemotional because they are robots but it doesn't help me i think i know because they are robots i don't agree with it but i think i have a guess all right throw throw at me the last of us two too early, 2017. Oh, I thought it's, I thought that was 2.18. I think that they mean legitimately the the characters are... Ro- oh! Near? No. Well, hold on. I don't think it's... Mm. You know what? It might be near. But I'm also going to say, what a wild review, and this would fit the bill of the name of what he gave, because I would say, even if you don't like it, to say that the characters are unemotional is patently false <laughs> if you've played yeah, more I than five like hours that of that and game. And those characters are very emotional. Chris, we've been doing good trusting each other so far. I feel like Nier Automata is the answer, and we can get two points and inch closer to I, 15. I think you're... You're taking robot too literally, but I'm willing to. I'm willing to. Horizon Horizon One. Generally, 
generally speaking, incredibly boring game. I thought Horizon for a second. But I don't think so because I I would say Horizon doesn't have bad enemy design. I mean, I agree with One the thing generally about boring you, gameplay. So it's <laughs> certainly, uh, but also enemy design. A lot of the enemies in Near are robot variations. Well, the same we, type of robot. Hold on, though. Should we like kind of uh, inside baseball? But why this would a little that bit? be free to play? Do we think it's got to be? Is it Destruction All Stars? No, nope, too early. Again, too old. Too old. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is near. But the, and this goes to that weird thing of the review doesn't have to make sense. But saying if it were free to play, you'd give it a six or a seven. But as a money game, it's one out of ten. I don't tend to think of free to play games as single player driven games. And near automata is nothing but a single player driven game. I don't. Have but then an this answer. next review saying the characters are unemotional. Uh, Fallout 4? I don't know, Chris. We, we've been doing pretty good. Do you just want to go to the third review and get a Fallout single point? Do you, what do you think? Oh, maybe. Again, I still don't see it as play, a free-to-play, but maybe. Oh, 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 I know it. it. Fallout 76. It's Fallout 76. When did 76 come out? I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm, I got to think Fallout it's 76. Four, Fallout <coughs> 4 came out in 15. I think 76 was 18 or 19. It was Feb. Uh, it was hold on October of eighteen. So this review predates it. Shit, I do like that answer though. Then like I, 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 I get know. where you're coming from. Do yeah. you just want to do the final review and get yeah, a point? Re- flip it. All right, here we go. <gasps> Son of a bitch! I think Halo it was five. near. It's near. Love platinum games. Hate the characters in this and their designs. Do not buy. Please make Vanquish two and let's forget this thing ever happened. It's near. All right. I'm flip it near automata. Near automata. Damn it, we should have stuck with it. The free okay. to play thing didn't make sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense at all. Okay, game number five. We're Chris. At eight points. Where are we at? Eight points. Yeah. First review, game number five. If you like games similar to Far Cry Primal, this game is for you. Very average open world game. Damn. Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> they gave it flip a zero. It. Flip it. It's Horizon. February twenty. <laughs> it's a Horizon game. <laughs> It's one of the two. Because I'm inside baseballing this a little bit and just looking at the games he's picked. He's picking oh, no. games that have something oh. to do with us. Did you just flip he all of them? He, he didn't. No, he didn't give an answer. Oh, shit. Five doesn't have an answer. Message him right now. He's not on. <laughs> he might see it on his phone. Message him. I, I got to find out. Emergency. No answer for number five. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to number six and then we'll come back to it. If we'll go to number six back. and we'll come. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back. Hopefully we maybe we won't even need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So game number six, first one, zero from Pure Joy Ride, November 2nd, 2022. Ignore the fake reviews. This is not a game. This is a real time B movie. It is devoid of charm and best belongs in the dustbin. Real-time B-movie. Oh, 22. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go bold and say my first, ga- uh, my first guess is the game from Supermassive that was originally supposed to be a Stadia game, and I can't think of the name of it right now. The Quarry? The Quarry, yeah. Okay, he says there is. I can see it, but I don't. All right, Velvet, 
Look, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. It's fine. We'll finish this one and go back up. All right. So the quarry comes to mind. Real-time B-movie makes me think. And it's devoid of charm and belongs in the dustbin. What are you thinking? The quarry is the only thing I can think of, unless we're taking B-movie too literally. But then could that be like Evil West? Oh, possibly, but mm, I don't know. Because he's when it he says it says real time, which makes me think it's saying that it's like like you're just watching something, and that game is you know it's far more like the Detroit where people question whether or not it has gameplay. Like that's kind of an argument. Okay, I mean, my, I guess my only qualm would be he did call this bad reviews of excellent games, and I don't know if I love this the quarry game, there, but I don't know what this game actually reviews. Landed okay, at. then if he loved it, I would go. I would say flip the quarry. You want to? You want it, or you want to see the second review? I can't. I I say I say you flip it. I can't think of anything else. Fuck it. I feel like the this is kind of cheating, but I feel like the spoiler tag is too long to be the quarry. <laughs> but. Okay, then um, could it be Man of Madon? That might be, that might be right, but I don't want to guess. I'm gonna go. Do you want to go second review? I feel more comfortable. Fine, go second review. Here we are. I'm tired of solving puzzles. The enemy variety is weak. Slow combat progress. Solve puzzles by killing the same enemies. The medium. No, that's not an excellent game. No, I I I feel confident in that. This is August second, two thousand twenty three. Tired of solving puzzles. The enemy variety is weak. Excuse me. Slow combat part progress. Solve puzzles by killing the same enemies. Hmm. Is this a Resident Evil game? Could be. B movie though. No combat. Ignore the fake reviews. This is not a game. This is a real time B movie. It's devoid of charm and best belongs in the dustbin. Maybe Resident Evil uh, Eight. That's kind of what I'm wondering. Um, uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Oh, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. When was the second review? Enemy varieties weak. Slow combat. Solve puzzles by killing. Okay. This would be a really bold take, but hear me out because I, I, I'm actually trying to put myself in the mind of the reviewer here. One of the problems with God of War 2018 that pretty much everyone, including reviewers, said is that it did have very limited enemy variety. Okay. I don't see how solving puzzles by killing the same enemies ties into it, but I can see that that game being a big shakeup for God of War fans. It says ignore the fake reviews, which sounds like it's definitely a game that got reviewed crazily good, which we already kind of knew. It's a real-time B-movie. Devoid of charm by swans. I don't know, man. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for this besides The Quarry or God of War, and I'm The Quarry doesn't have enough combat. Could it be The Last of Us? Remata 2? There's a lot of gameplay, so I think it would be bullshit, but... You do end up fighting a lot of the same enemies. You are right. It's either humans, humans with scars, or humans with a clicker disease. So slow combat progress. See, but here's a 
the combat progress is what catches me. It sounds like a game that has RPG-like mechanics to where you have to build upon your build in order to see better combat progress, the way it's talking about. And that's not what The Last of Us is. You know what I mean? No. Solving. And, and The Last of Us doesn't have a lot of puzzles either. But God of War definitely does. The quarry definitely doesn't fit with this. There's not even really puzzles in the quarry. <clears throat> I don't have an what answer, other so August I would honestly second? just say go to third one because I don't have anything. All right, let's see. Draythorian, kiting heavy droggers isn't an enjoyable game mechanic. Thanks for wasting my time, my and your time on that garbage. 2022, June 25th. Oh, um, droggers. Um, yeah, okay. God it takes War? place in, in Norse mythology. I think this is God of War. All right, go God of War Ragnarok or, or 2018. I'm going to say 2018 because Ragnarok upped the enemy variety a lot. Let's find out. I mean, or actually, before I click on, do you agree? I don't have a better answer. God of War 2018. We get one point. Could be worse. All right, game number five here. We come back to it. If you like games similar to Far Cry Primal, this game is for you. Very average open world game. Um, we didn't immediately have an answer on that, but we kind of skipped as soon as I knew there wasn't an answer showing for me. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, you something think, that comes to mind. You said Horizon? I, I still think Horizon. Since we only got one point on the last one, will you indulge me in a second review? Sure. So we can have a higher chance? All right. Let's see. This is from Andrew Evolution. 2020. Okay, February 22nd, 2022, uh, which is right around the time of... Horizon 2, I think. Pure SJW garbage. Horizon. I have it just because PS gave to me. Not even worth the download. Horizon Forbidden West. I am also going to say Forbidden West. Well, hold on. He said they gave it to him. Yeah, Horizon. Wasn't Horizon Zero Dawn in the PlayStation collection? Well, Zero Dawn was. So it'd be Zero Dawn? That's what of, I meant. I was thinking oh. uh, for Frozen Wilds. That's where I got Forbidden West from. Okay, I know it's yeah, let's, the, do, let's do, for, let's do uh, Zero Dawn. I feel comfortable with that one. All right, go for it. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep. Dog, That's we're it. on point. All right, two points from that. So what are we at now? Nine or ten? Eleven. Ten. Oh, how do we get eleven? Did we only get one point? We were at eight, nine, oh, two. Two eleven. points yeah, for right. The Witcher, three for yep. Elden Ring, two for Red Dead, one for yep. Nier, one for God of War, two for Horizon Zero Dawn. We're doing all right. Okay, game number seven, Chris. First review, J. Louise 96 gave it a zero on April 18th of 21. One of the worst games I've ever played. Impossible to move forward if you solo queue. Solo queue. Apex or Overwatch, maybe? Maybe. This sounds like online. You're If you're grouping up with solo people, right? This is too broad for me, Chris. There's no, there's no way I can get anything. I'm fine with going to the next one. We've got the space. All right. Second review. It's a mine. <clears throat> Zero. September 10th, 2020. Garbage game, unbalanced weapons, shit servers, brain dead devs. The most frustrating and stressful experience you can get out of a video game. Uh... I'm sticking with Overwatch and Apex, and you just kind of got to decide which one you feel more comfortable oh. with. Uh, well, okay, hold on. 21 and what was this, 20? 
when did Titanfall 2 was 18? Yeah. Titanfall 1, like 15, 13, yeah, maybe 14? There's no reason the solo queue in Titanfall. Or there's no well, reason why that would be an issue. It's just kill based. Oh, is it progression? Okay, because the reason I was going to say is I remember playing some of Titanfall one online. I didn't play a whole lot of two, and it did feel like if you just got into a random game that you weren't going to do much. But I don't know much about how its online structure went. Oh, hold on. When did Apex come out? Uh, there's been fifteen 18, seasons, 19? four years. So 19, probably. Dude, is there a chance this could be Apex Legends? Yeah, I've been saying it's either Overwatch or Apex. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do it. Apex Legends. You got it, Chris. We got two points. I got to listen to you a little bit better. That's what I'm learning here, Chris. This is a, this is a, a, a character-building exercise for us. I think you muted yourself, Chris. But I don't know I'll how that you. keeps happening. I don't know either. <laughs> but Chris, this could be our final game. Yeah, could be. Game eight. Game eight. We got to finish them all, though. I'm having fun. Let's go. Dump Truck 201 gave a zero on GTA September 6. 16th of 23. The worst story-driven game that has ever been made. Coming from someone who has played Destiny, Halo 5, and Diablo 3. God. Worst story-driven game. I'm okay. This is very inside baseball, as I've said before. I'm going off Velvet because if you look at these games, Velvet has only picked games that have something to do with us in some aspect. This is The Last of Us Part Two. You might be right, Chris. I'm almost confident it all when when we have two more games. Say flip it. Okay, let's go. So we're calling it The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. I'm willing to trust you on this. And I can see that game got a lot of hate. Let's go. It's a very short answer, Chris, so it better be T-L-O-U-P-2. <laughs> T-L-O-U-2. <laughs> the last of us too, Chris. Yes! I am good at this goddamn game. <laughs> Golf clap. Let's go. Ooh, that's funny. That what is funny. What the fuck okay. does the games he listed have to do with anything? So we win, so neither of us is wearing make, uh, makeup next week. But do you, uh, do you want to answer the next two games? Because I'm having fun. Let's like do it. Game. Let's do it real quick. Yeah. All right. All right. Game number nine. First review. Let's see if we can one answer all this, of them. This will Poor be a competition now. Oh, so now we're going to see which one of us can get it right between yeah, each other. Yeah, the last two. Whoever gets the most points. Okay. This comes from Muhammad Ho. March 11th, 2020, a one poor storytelling, bad map design, unjust gameplay mechanics and graphics that belong to the beginning of the PS3 slash Xbox 360 era. Poor storytelling. What year was the review from? 2020. Bad map design. So it sounds like open world. Unjust gameplay mechanics. Okay, so this was easier be, when we were working together. So fuck the competition. Let's just figure out what this game is. <laughs> this can't. Th- there's no way with twenty. This can't be Cyberpunk, and Cyberpunk is not an ugly game. All things aside, dude, I was thinking um, Sekiro. More storytelling, unjust gameplay mechanics. Yep. 
I don't I'm not think gonna there's lie. even a map in Sekiro there. Is the, Sekiro is the only game from them that I actually feel like has bullshit unjust things in it. Well, you'd be like, wrong. Not, You're just not good enough. Is, dude. <laughs> That's the, not even the being ogre, a dick. That's the point. No, the, <laughs> the, the ogre boss fight at the beginning that will magnetize you into his hands even if you miss yeah. is bullshit. There is, that is bullshit. Um, I will die on that hill. I mean, I... Playing I, a fucking flag in me. I mean, I, I I I don't have a comment. I'm decent at Sekiro, you know. Only beat it eight times. <laughs> Dude, I don't have a strong answer on this. I don't know. Poor story. I would go Sekiro because again, I'm playing off Velvet just as much as I'm playing off the the review here. And yeah. Sekiro seems like it could be up there. We did a lot of Sekiro talk. You're right. I urge you to, to go to the second review. I mean, we have no stakes, so I'm fine going to the second one. Let's go. DS and BB felt fair, but this shit is not. Your recovery after death I is at win. random it's chance. Sekiro. <laughs> Your recovery after death is at random chance. Yep, it's Sekiro. Oh, if you stand up again, is, is it random in that game? It's not random, but it fucks with the world. Oh, let's find out. Sekiro. You had it. Game number 10. Maybe we can one-shot this one, too, Mr. Guy. Okay, Sam Style, 0, 18th of October, 21. Terrible, bad, made, rush game, short story, a few maps, and world lack of world. What? The, let me world. help you here. Ter- terrible, bad, made, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, <laughs> exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Rush game, short story, a few maps, and world lack of world. Nope. There's no other. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> that year? was the entire. He put all the punctuation in one spot. <laughs> Hyper focused it. What year? Was what are you thinking? Twenty one. So could it be cyberpunk? A few maps. Yeah, it's not cyberpunk. Short story, a few maps, world, lack of world. <clears throat> Second game. Yeah, go with the next review. All right. The easiest game I've ever played. It can be okay as a cartoon movie, but absolutely boring as a game. Just for kids. Terrible waste of money. 2019. All right, let's think. Ratchet and Clank comes to mind. That seems it. The remake? Absolutely boring. It would have to be with 2019. Easiest game I've ever played. I mean, I can kind of, that game is not hard. I'm here for Ratchet and Clank, even though I'm not confident in that answer. Let's try it. Let's see if we can get it. We've already, we've already won. So, I mean, let's just see. Do it. Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. Okay. I want to read the last review now. Such a terrible experience. The story is definitely the worst part of it. Nomura really needs to calm his, uh, calm his own ego and relearn how to make good games. Damn. All right. Well, Chris, thank you for making sure that I don't have to wear lipstick next week. <laughs> You're welcome. I would have rocked the shit out of that lipstick, though. I want you Hell to know yeah, that. you would have. I'm impressed. That was an impressive showing. That was an impressive showing. I like that one a lot, Velvet. You got to top yourself. One. I'm kidding. The pressure's not there. I, this was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like the games. Yeah, this one was good. All right, guys. Well, that wraps the show up. Thank you for joining us. If we stayed through this, if you like these games, uh, let us know so we can 
filter your love through to Velvet. I thought this was very fun. We appreciate you, Velvet. Uh, as always, if you like the show and want to support it with more than just your time, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month, much like Velvet himself does. Uh, to support the show, we are ever so thankful for all of you who do that and keep this show afloat without us having to dig into our own pockets. Uh, and without further ado, we always shout out our patrons at the end of episodes. So we'd like to shout out Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Sandaroo. Thanks to each and everyone. See you next week. Woo!